Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. everyone and welcome to Carriker and Smallman minus Smallman. Michelle is on vacation. Danny Mac, Randy, Matt Rocchio with you. Great to have you with us on a Thursday morning and the blues are back, baby. Uh-huh. Danny Mac, look at my shoe. Oh my goodness. Where did you get those? I got them off of uh, social media a few years ago during the playoffs. Uh, they're my blues shoes. I they wore are them. the blue so shoes. Somehow, you a, you some, d- describe yeah. those shoes, please. Well, see, I, I got them. Uh, those are ridiculous. Seriously, uh, uh, I, I think it was back in the Facebook day. And uh, <laughs> Matt, did you see these? Here's, so, I, so I just ordered shoes with the blues logos on the side. And for whatever reason, and this was serendipity, I guess, they showed up for game one against Winnipeg. They really? Up, and I forgot that I had ordered them. <laughs> and so they show up on my doorstep the, the day of game one against Winnipeg. And I said, oh, what the hell? I'll, I'll wear them. And I started wearing them, and the Blues rolled to the Stanley Cup. So today with the Blues back against the Devils tonight, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. And to celebrate the contract extension for Craig Berube, and we'll yeah. air the Craig Berube contract extension press conference at 10, and then Doug Armstrong will join BK and Ferrario at 11.15. But to celebrate all of that, I'm wearing the Blues shoes and socks today. Oh, yeah, you do have the socks. Yeah. I was a little surprised. Yeah. Normally, uh, Randy comes in, for, for those driving along or listening on the app, Randy comes in with the team that either has won the night before or will play that night. So yeah, it could a St. Be Louis a, team. Yeah, it could be a Cardinal pullover, a Blues pullover, a Mizzou, slew, whatever. Yeah. And you went, like, all black, so I was a little concerned that something maybe happened in your family. Oh, no, it was just... Okay. I, I, I have two Stanley Cup champion pullovers. Oh, is that what that with, is? Yeah. So, oh, I thought it was a Bell Reeve one, like a PGA one. No, uh-uh. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, all yeah. right, you're, you're in. Yeah, right, so I, I'm all blues this morning. You and, are. And uh, let's go, blues. How about just having hockey back? It's pretty Thank cool. Thank you. I mean, it's, like, exciting again. Let's and, let's bring some sports yeah. back here, baby. Let's go. It, it's been too long, and even the players who had a nice break, like Braden Chen, they agree. And Shen should because they're ready to get going. They'll get to take on the Devils tonight. That'll mm-hmm. be at Enterprise Center. And the Devils are a team that is struggle, uh, but they did have a win against the Montreal Canadiens on Tuesday, and Braden Shen and the Blues are ready to roll. Yeah. Um, you know, I think from a, from a league standpoint and stuff like that, it's nice to get a, a little mental break, physical break, and kind of reset because um, realistically this is the best time to be playing hockey um, leading into the playoffs. These are the fun games. They're competitive. They're tight. Um, so it just kind of gives you that little, uh, you know, let you hit the reset button and, uh, you know, before you start playing hockey again. It kind of feels like a new season. It really does. It does. It's longer than an all-star break. And let's see, the Blues have not yet played in February. Nine days off in February after taking off. It was like nine weeks. Yeah, it does. And then obviously the last two days of January. So 11 days off for this team. And Craig Ruby, as we mentioned, got the new three-year contract extension yesterday. Has a team that's sixth in the league in scoring. And we think of Ruby as just a, a a defensive guy, a heavy game guy. We don't think of him as a guy who allows the players to play a skill game. What is his offensive philosophy? 
We want to be a puck possession team first and foremost, especially in the offensive zone. We like you know we don't want to waste too many shots or bad angle shots. We like to possess the puck as much as possible. Um, you know that's a big part of it. And you know I think just we added some players this summer that are you know good players. They make plays. They score goals. Um, you know we we try to put teams on edge with our uh, ability to make plays. Uh, driving the net hard, that's a big part of it all. And, um, you know, getting our defense up in the rush. I think our defense is very involved in our offense. Uh, we always, you know, we're always harping on getting them up in the play, getting them involved in the offensive zone, whether it's, you know, jumping down a wall or just getting shots through or, you know, whatever part of the, you know, we not, we're asking them, them to do. But, uh, you know, we, we always want to, you know, we always want to be connected in the offensive zone. That's the biggest thing. I think, uh, you know, when you get too spread out, um, you know, it's it's too easy to you're too easy to be checked, in my opinion. Uh, but puck possession is really important in the offensive zone. Randy, he said puck possession about three or four different times, mm-hmm. and That's what it's I, all about. I, and I think sometimes when you listen to, like John Moselock is a good example for me as a baseball guy. I will have to sometimes re-listen to an interview to really hear what he's trying to say right and sometimes he's saying it but not coming out and just being blatant about it and hitting you over the head and the point that i'm making with this when i hear craig berube talk about puck possession and there is efficient shots and then there's shots that you know just kind of are the ones that uh, flutter on net and that yeah it goes down as a shot on goal and my point that i'm trying to say here randy five on five the st louis blues are 29th in shot attempts in the nhl 29th Mm -hmm. now does that mean that they're not putting the puck on net or is it because it's puck possession and they're efficient with the puck and there's a difference between the two and i think that's what craig berube's talking about right there yeah and to be 29th in shot attempts and sixth in goals per game is pretty telling i'm usually an advocate for churn well thank you mo and uh again i gotta read between the lines and you're an advocate for a lot of turnover i guess Mm -hmm. the great thing about randy is he's smart he's open-minded i I, well you hit me over the head with that mo and i don't have to agree with it and i don't is that true yeah, that's right, because I don't think he's open-minded many times. If Randy has something he wants to talk about, he is going to stick with that, and then he's going to bury you with his point. I'll tell you, in conclusion, I think you might want to go back to the drawing board. I don't think so, Mo, because I think you're wrong. I know Randy a little bit better than you. Far be it for me to jump in on this one. Well, that's fine then. Let's. Why don't you hang up, go get the uh, CBA worked out, and we'll figure it out from there. Didn't think we'd talk about that today. Yeah, I didn't either, but thanks for chiming in, Mo. It's good to hear your voice. We need to take that machine away from Randy right now. I don't think so. Take that thing away. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you just fed the beast. And you, and I you're, did. And you're going to blame everyone else for this? What? I didn't feed him to go to, right to the thing there. I'm sorry, you're breaking up. Well, yeah, you're breaking up. But you know what, Matt? Hang up on Mo. We've got enough of him. Uh, Mo, we love you. So we're talking a little hockey and a little uh, baseball. Well, I'm going to be cross-pollinating here. Well, we are, I guess. You're right. I mean, that's yeah, a little hockey, a little, little uh, baseball, and probably later, Mo, we're going to talk some football. It's going to happen. I think so. <laughs> I think we are. Basketball, too, because today yes. is uh, NBA trade what deadline. What is wrong day. with you? Focus. I, I'm totally focused. I'm not talking to Mo. Yeah. I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm totally focused. Uh, NBA Focus. trade deadline day. 82 and a, and a half hours until the Super Bowl. The uh, Los Angeles Rams play the Cincinnati Bengals. Go Bengals! 
And that's 5.30 on Sunday afternoon at SoFi Stadium. Also, Danny, yesterday, Mizzou announced that their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, has accepted a position with the Carolina Panthers. He'll be their defensive pass game coordinator and secondary coach. So, essentially, Steve Wilkes is the co-defensive coordinator for Matt Rule in Carolina. And... I immediately go to who's the replacement going to be. I don't really care about the guy that's there. I'm curious about the I care about the next guy, and uh, they as their safeties coach when Charlie Harmon was in, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, they hired a linebackers coach from LSU by the name of Blake Baker. The two years before that, he had been the defensive coordinator at Miami before Manny Diaz uh, let him go. So I would guess that a former college defensive coordinator, Blake Baker, will probably be. This is just a guess on my part, but if I were doing it, I'd do it this way. I'd promote him to defensive coordinator. He, he knows your system. He knows your staff already. And so get him up and running and, and be the D.C. I, I don't know what you think about this, but when things were going awry early in the season for Mizzou, especially on the defensive side, and Wilkes was taking a lot of heat, mm-hmm. I just got the feeling that he's on the way out no matter what. Like, he could have been demoted or fired I at that so point. I thought so, too. And talking to people there, there was real concern yes. about the personnel more than the coach. They were the, the coaches were telling people in the program, hey, we just we need players. Yeah. Because when you're running that defense, and Matt can weigh in on this because his favorite defense is what Steve Wilkes likes to run. You need a great three technique, and Makai Wingo was just finding his way. You need a great weak side linebacker, and they never really replaced Bolton. And you need a great strong safety, and their, their strong safety tandem was ascending. So they really didn't have the tools necessary for Steve Wilkes to play the defense that he wanted to play. They were better, right? though, by the end of the year. They got a lot And you guys better. also talked about it, how you know the Tampa 2 is just you, – you can take – you know, parts of it. You know, the hard, the hard two-top shell is what you know threw off Mahomes in the NFL this year. So you can take parts of it, but the fact of the matter is, with the way that tight end play, the way that slot wide receiver play has developed in the NFL nowadays, you can just destroy teams in the middle who play a strict version of that system. And that's yeah. what we saw, I think, consistently against Mizzou. Yeah, as Coach Venturi would say. Yeah, this doesn't work anymore. This isn't 2000. This doesn't work anymore. <laughs> I want to go back to the Blues, if I may, for a second. Uh, LGB. Um, Craig Berube signing the three-year extension. Mm-hmm. For me, it was just a matter of when and not yeah, if. Yeah, I agree. And it looks like they took this break, that Doug Armstrong took this break and took care of a lot of business. Portuzo, the one-way contract uh, with Brown, the the young Russian that we've seen, he signed a contract. Yeah. yeah, and and now it's, it's Craig Berube. I... I would, uh, and maybe we need to look this up, Matt, if we can. Uh, and maybe you know it right off the top of your head, though. When when he was named the coach of the Blues in 19, it was about this time. Yeah, 18. It was December, or 18, uh, November, November yeah. of 18. Um, and so, you know, from that time, so he signs a three-year extension yesterday or officially. Uh, I wonder where he's at in tenure, considering where and how these coaches, like Martin Saint Louis, is yeah. now a head coach in the uh, in the NHL. But how many guys have been fired? I mean, a three-year run for a coach, and I'm sure part of this was a reward for what he's done. The fact that he got them a cup, got them to. I think they would have won the cup or been close to winning the cup that year that everything was shut down. 
then going through what was a brutal season for all sports and just trying to get through protocols, get through a seat. Hey, but they made the playoffs. They had to make that run at the end, but he did mm-hmm. it. And then you look at this year with the injuries, COVID, sickness, uh, basically your Springfield roster is up there, yep. and he's got them in a position to be in a, a, a good spot going down the stretch here in the second half. So it's a reward of the three years. I'll be curious to see if he lasted three yeah. years because Me there's too. just so much turnover. Voices get blocked out in the right. game, as you know. Coaches yep. kind of lose the effect at times, especially in hockey. So we're not talking that long ago that he was named coach. This is his third full season. He's essentially... What's the tenure? Yeah, he's number eight wow. in the NHL. John Cooper, number one, has been around since 2013. That's amazing. Two years later, Jeff Blaschel was fired, uh, hired by Detroit. Mike Sullivan of the Penguins is third. Jared Bednar of the Avalanche is fourth. Bruce Cassidy is fifth. Rob Brindamore is sixth. Barry Trotz with the Islanders is seventh. And then Barubi. And uh, he has several months on top of McClellan in L.A. And by the way, Martin San Louis hired yesterday by Montreal. Uh, coaches that have been hired in 21 or 22, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. A dozen it's coaches amazing. have been hired either uh, March from from March 4th of last year on. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it does tell you, and I think it's been a give and take on both the players and the personnel that have been brought in and him to adapt with certain guys. I think we have to go back, and it's a microcosm of how he coaches, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, from the outside looking in and being around a little bit. But if you go back to the hand pass game in San Jose, and they get into the the dressing room, media is there, you know you're trying Mm -hmm. to get guys throwing things, being upset at the league, whatever. And he says, hey, it's over, we got to move on. The ability to put stuff behind you and not Mm -hmm. hold it against players. And And I have heard from many people that say that he is very upfront with his players. That's what yep. players, I'm telling you, Randy, and you know this as well as anybody, when you're in professional sports, and really college is like professional sports, mm-hmm. um, what, the, the, what the players want from their coach is honesty. Right. If you're not going to play me, or you're going to cut my minutes, or you're going to bench me or whatever, I don't have to like it. But if you tell me why you're doing this and how I need to get out of this situation, I can at least respect it. I don't have to like it, but I respect it. There's no recourse to honesty. There's not a Blues player that can say, well, you didn't tell me what was expected. Right. Everybody knows what's expected. And going back to the hand pass game, I I remember asking Petrangelo, I said, what do you see there? I'm not going to talk about it. Well, what did the officials tell you? Well, I'm not going to talk about it. I said, well, how do you guys move on from this? I mean, this is devastating. He said, Randy, I'm not going to talk about it. And kind of yelled at me, kind of yeah. snapped at me. It's okay, fine. Yeah. And Amy Marks scores. Now, at KMOX, covering the Blues at the time, I, I walked back to her and she said, the Blues are going to win this series. I said, what are you talking about? They just suffered a devastating defeat. She said, look around. Nobody's devastated. Right. And that's how you have to be. (laughs) It's kind of like in golf. You know, I had lunch with Jay Delsing yesterday, and we were talking about when you hit a bad shot. And it's so cliche to say this, but there's nothing you can do about it. You can't go back and re-hit it. Yeah. Unless you're in the water. Mm -hmm. But it's going to cost you a stroke and two. But there's nothing you can do about it. So you got to move on. And I I think Chief does a great job with that. Okay, this guy's out. Perron's out. Uh... Perunovic got upper body. Uh, goaltender's not playing. Well, okay. Well, Thanks, this man. is what we got, yep. and this is what we're going to have to do. Yep. And I, I do think players feed off of that. They're, in many ways, when you look at teams, 
winning and losing, they are a reflection of the coach and the coaching staff and how they handle adversity. And again, we will have the official announcement, the press conference at 10 after our show here on yeah. 101 ESPN with Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong. And then Army will join BK and Ferrario at 11.15. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Matt is here. Get your text in now to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Sick of it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm over it, Sharon. I can't take this no more. I am done. I am sick of it. Do you hear me? Sick of it. I can't take it anymore. These people are the worst. Character and Smallman are sick of it. We want your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, Matt Rocchio. Great to have you with us and Dan as we approach Super Sunday. Yes, sir. It's only Thursday. Yes, sir. I'm sick of the hype. I, I don't want to. I, don't I wanna... think it's been reduced this year because the, you know, Nobody like we cares. were talking. Well, we were talking yesterday about uh, the Zooms with the mm-hmm. media day and stuff. You know, normally if you have those weird encounters with downtown Julie Brown and then the eight-year-old that wants to be Chris Berman answering uh, yeah, or asking right. questions, yeah. you know, you don't have that back, this back, year. Back, back, back. Yeah. So uh, I haven't heard a lot from Radio Row. Like, there's been yeah. no major parties I've heard about no. or incidents. So it's been kind of quiet. One other thing that I'm sick of is yes, sir. The, the lapdog NFL media who... Yesterday during Roger Goodell's press conference, never asked about the league having to pay $790 million to St. Louis. I did notice that. Never came up. No. Did you think it would? Honestly, did you really think it would? No. I didn't either. They focus on what's shiny and new, so they're focusing on the Brian Flores lawsuit. Yep, which is a big issue. Yeah, but you, you committed fraud and you paid for it. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah, when you put it that way, you committed <laughs> fraud as a league and had to pay nearly a billion dollars and no one asked about it. Yeah. That's a great point. Because, um, and maybe you can answer this question because you you're really on this stuff. But and you did such a, and I mean this sincerely, you did a great job. You and Ben Fred, Joel Courier of the Post, did a great job covering this trial from day one, where a lot of people thought it was just a pipe dream, and and obviously it wasn't. Um, my question to you though is, of the seven ninety, so that has been paid. Yes, we, we do know that. But of the 790, how was it divvied up amongst the NFL owners, or was it just Cronky? Was it the NFL just going, here, here's 790, we're done with it? To my knowledge, that has not been determined yet. That would have been a question I would have asked. Right. And I, any home market could have asked right. that. Is my guy going to yeah. have to pay? Yeah. And with the owners having to sign off on it and Roger Goodell having to sign off on it, I'm guessing the initial payment did come from the league or maybe the league office. Yeah. And then they'll determine whether or not, if they want to get into it with Kroenke, whether or not his signature on his indemnification agreement, if that's valid and he does have to sure. pay all the expenses. Yeah. It'd be very interesting to find out. Be nice to see him have to pay all of it, though. I would like to see that, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, you guys like donuts, right? Love donuts. Thanks for bringing some in this morning. No problem. This is my sick of it. And it actually, I wasn't even thinking of this today when I came into uh, the studio, but this happened before, okay? So you ever go and get donuts and you grab the little wax paper, right? Mm-hmm. And you open up the donut uh, window, door, yeah. door whatever. 
What I'm sick of is when I try to, oh, first of all, let me take a step back. I have my box that I have that is actually flat, but then you got to open the box, right? right. You got to get all the, the corners right. And Which stuff. is a, a hassle for it the is normal a hassle. layman Thank person. You. Yeah. Thank you, Randy. That And this is where I'm going. So there's a little frustration with my just opening up that box. Then I open up the donut door. Have you ever noticed that donut doors are incredibly tight to where they don't open up yeah. like a normal door? And yeah. so they're always just like, boom, going back in. And so I had a beautiful sprinkled donut. Sprinkles. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, it looked to be delicious, too, guys. And I thought, boy, this is going to be a fight between Randy and Rockio to get this one. Because it was a big one, too. Mm-hmm. Some are a little smaller. So this one was a big one. He looked like the alpha male of these particular sprinkled mm-hmm. donuts. And I thought, that's the one I'm getting. So I had to reach in and get it. And then the door slapped my hand, and I dropped it on the ground. And to say I was upset, I was upset. I was hot. And this door, because I was a little tired, too, mm-hmm. early in oh, the morning. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. Now yeah. I got to put my butt up on the door a little mm-hmm. bit yeah, and then kind of angle and then try to keep the box open and then reach in and get a new one. And so I am just sick of donut doors. I never thought I'd go you. down that road, but here I am. Take it or leave it. And this is for both of you guys. There has been a but moment. this is sick of it. I know, but I'm, I'm throwing a little sick of it because I do get sick of it. Okay. <laughs> And here's how you know that you're sick of it. You're standing and other people are trying to choose their donuts at the donut door and you are taking deep breaths and rolling your eyes. Oh, yeah. Because you're sick of it. But that could be like at any line. Right. But at those donut lines, I'm going, just so that people can hear that I'm frustrated with. Oh, yeah. Like, hurry up. Pick up your pick out your donuts before you open the damn door. So. I have four kids, as you know. Mm-hmm. By the way, I will have four teenagers in my house starting tomorrow. Congratulations. Thank you. Happy birthday. Yeah, kids. twins get a birthday. Love it. Um, so I spent a lot of time in a drive-thru. Mm-hmm. You can tell it's a very healthy lifestyle at this point, getting donuts and drive-thrus. But uh, you, at most drive-thrus, there is the big menu there. Yeah. Then you pull up to make the announcement of what you'd like. And then, so the other day, I'm going to get food for my kid. We're running late. He's got to practice. I'm behind a person that stared at the menu, then pulled up and was like, and I could hear him behind my window. Uh, no, I don't know if I want a two or a three. Oh yeah, let's go with the two. But then can we get that minus this plus this? Actually, scratch that. Let's go to the four. Let's supersize. Have it ready to go. Come on. I, I agree. Have it ready to go, Randall. Yeah. So- Dang it. But happy birthday to the the youngins tomorrow. Yeah, that's uh, Barrett and Olivia. They're going to be teenagers tomorrow, so I will have four meanagers, not teenagers, in my house. That's rough. By the way, tomorrow also the uh, unfortunate 10-year anniversary of the passing of Whitney Houston, who took a very unfortunate bath 10 years ago tomorrow. Hold on here. Matthew, what do you got for No, us? no, no. I no, don't, don't gonna, even think about gonna, it yet, no, Matt. I'm going to alleviate. I thought we were just going to. No, see, we're she, not. I just, gonna, I'm just going to hold her breath. I feel Clearly like a, she couldn't. I feel like we should just pull past that. What is wrong with him? Because it's, it's either OJ or death. And he's got to go down that road. And there was no need well, in I mean, this segment. We're talking to, about our OJ. We're also talking about death. And we're coming back to. It's a 10-year anniversary, we, Dan. We were going to my twins. Birthday, we got a big birthday. We're gonna go ice skating. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's gonna be a big thing. It goes right to left Whitney. turn from the twins' <laughs> Whitney birthday Houston's to Whitney death. Houston's death anniversary. It's ten years. The hell it is wrong with seem you? Like ten years. That's all I'm saying. 
Ah, poor thing. Matt, go right ahead, please. And to alleviate your pain, don't worry. I'm just looking at the chat long, John. <laughs> you, you, I, you have I, no worries. Don't, I got don't worry a death about joke it. about this if you want to hear no, it. No, I don't want to so, hear it. So, sick of not having Matthew Kachuk <laughs> wearing the blue note. What a sick goal he scored last night. Oh, did you see his goal? He's pretty good, yeah. Going between the legs yeah. here, kind of very quickly behind the net. Sweet. Yeah. If you're Calgary, and I know that this is a business, but if you're Calgary... Don't you overpay to make sure that he's a long-term member of your franchise? He's I don't the know if center. He can. He's the centerpiece of that franchise. You, what you have to do is make sure that he is the highest-paid player in the history of Alberta, and that includes Connor McDavid. I um, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. But he's, he's going to be the centerpiece of your franchise. Here, here's something to think though about, and we touched upon it a little bit yesterday. Uh, for fans that don't know, in Canada, depending on where you're playing, there's nobody in the, in the yeah. seats. They're back to doing the, the COVID restrictions for attendance. And uh, I read a great article. I think it was in Sportico, but it was during the – which really takes a look at the business side of sports. And mm -hmm. so Gary Bettman kind of had his State of the Union address with at the All-Star game and where the, the league is. And he talked about how COVID has just devastated some of the Canadian franchises um, financially. So – I, I got to wonder, can they do it? Can they do it? And would the league maybe try to help them out? I mean, you got to have these teams in Canada. It's they imperative. Compete, right. And so does the league step in and try to help them out a little bit? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what their finances are at this point, but can you keep a guy like that when the money is way, way, right. way down to what it's supposed to be? Take advantage of them. Yeah. Sick of talking about the Cardinals signing a shortstop. Can it not be Sosa's job to lose? Give him a longer leash. It should be his job to lose after last year's performance. Well, he, it's going to be one of the two, right? It's going to be Sosa or I think Dio. so. I, I, here's the interesting thing. Trevor Story, um, there was an article that came out yesterday, and he said he only wants to sign with teams that want him as a shortstop. He wants to play shortstop. Now, his defensive metrics, by the way, are not very good. The, the two guys you have playing right now in St. Louis are better defensively. Yeah. Um, now, was Sosa at the top? Yes, he was. Oh, yeah. yeah. In defensive runs saved in, limit, in limited amount mm -hmm. of time. Um, so I guess if he would fall back on a one-year deal and say, I'm trying to reestablish a market, you know, the Cardinals might jump in on something like that. He wants to change scenery, come to St. Louis. Um, but there's going to be teams that are looking for shortstops that uh, I think would pony up. Maybe the Cubs, maybe the Yankees. I mean, we're talking about big market teams that uh, look to potentially spend some money. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Next up, we're going to talk to our buddy Greg Amsinger of MLB Network about getting spring training delayed and then started here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tomorrow morning, I am going to be at the Westport Hardee's for Heat Up St. Louis. So you can come and buy a uh, breakfast biscuit. I think they're going to do the $1 breakfast biscuits tomorrow. From 530 to 630, I will be there. And then BK and Ferrario are also going to be at Hardee's tomorrow. And uh, it's Rise and Shine for Heat Up St. Louis. And they're going to be at Hardee's from 8 to 9 a.m. tomorrow. BK and Ferrario. So you want to get involved with Heat Up St. Louis because there's too many people that can't pay their heating mm. bills in St. Louis, and that's what Heat Up St. Louis is for. And it's Hardy's Rise and Shine tomorrow, and I will be at the Lackland location across the street from Westport from 5.30 to 6.30 tomorrow. I'm getting up early for it. Boy, you and I talk about this all the time on a serious note. Boy, 
in in this country, nobody should be hungry. Nobody should be cold. Oh, you know, well, it's it, unbelievable. It just, it just shouldn't happen. Yeah. Should not happen. So good for you. I'll, I'll look forward to our biscuit tomorrow. You got it. It'll be fun. Dan, uh, uh, Matt was just mentioning the press conference that Rob Manfred will and have. We're after efforting the to meetings. get Greg on. Yeah, so. we're, we're working on that. But I look at the situation, and here we are at Valentine's Day. This lockout started on December 1st. So we've had December and January. And 42 days between February negotiations. Now. Yeah, and we've had proposals. four negotiations yeah. in two and a half months, and we're supposed to st- start spring training on Monday. I don't understand why you can't go into a negotiating room. And this is something where you don't need uh, Dan Halem from MLB and Bruce Meyer from the MLBPA. And take care of the non-economic issues. Figure out... To make your game better. Yeah. Like the, the, you're saying like maybe uh, between the white lines and some easy things that you yep. think that everybody... Like, okay, you want the DH? Yeah, we want the DH. Means more money. We like it. Okay, let's be a uniform sport. Great. Right. Check that box. Let's move on. Pitch clock, schedules, travel, those sorts of things. It's all negotiation, though. You know, I, and I, I say this, and I'm with you 100%. I mean, this stuff should be easy. But you're the owner, I'm the player. And you say, hey, we want to have a pitch clock. And you go, well, I don't know, because uh, what are you going to give me? Well, And, and that's everything is just used for leverage. And we can talk about this, though. And if I'm baseball, I can say, well, it's in our rule book. You've got 12 seconds between pitches. I don't want to do that to your pitchers, so let's negotiate. Let's find a good middle ground here. And Manfred unilaterally could enforce some of these things. It's in the rule book. And this is the opportunity for the union, for the things that they don't like, to solve those problems. If there are issues that any player has... With the CBA or with the way baseball is run, now's the time to answer that question. It always frustrates me when we get two years into a contract, a CBA, in any sport, and a player is complaining about it. And my stock answer is, yeah, my stock answer is, go to your union. Don't complain about Major League Baseball. That's the one thing that I've come back with on this one. And I'm not taking sides. Um, And I'll get back to this in a moment. But. The prevail everywhere I go, Randy. Everywhere, every day, somebody's asking me what's going on. I don't know. I mean, they they've been pretty tight lipped. Now, I, I have some friends that are pretty connected with various people uh, that would know, and it's not looking great. So, but who knows? They they're not in those rooms. But when you look at like the last agreement that they signed, the minute that the ink was dry, there were agents that were saying this is a bad mm-hmm. deal for the players. And so you can understand as they go back to the table, they want to get some back. But you're not going to get it all back. And it doesn't matter if you're talking baseball or you're talking about you and I uh, in a CBA between something that you and I have going. I would never give everything back. you got to eventually get it little by little to come back. And it was a bad deal that they signed. The players got taken to the woodshed. Their total values of the pie have gone down. Analytics have become a massive, massive part of the game. And so what it tells you is that young players are the ones that are going to thrive. Young players aren't paid a lot of money. So that's going down. That's part of the pie going down. But you have to read that before you sign the deal. Right. And they didn't. And I wonder now if the horse is out of the barn for the players because – is it am I is it fifty three forty seven or is it fifty seven forty three that owners have? I think it's fifty three forty seven. Fifty three forty seven. That's the percentage of revenue that's estimated that the owners are getting, and it might be more than that. But until the players trust the owners, and at some point, 
well, I guess they're never going to trust them, right? That's never going to happen. But there's no way they'll ever get back to 50-50 unless they have a sharing concept in place like all the other sports do where it's required by owners to give them 50-50. My guess would be that if there is no salary cap and salary floor, that that disparity that's 53-47 in favor of the owners right now, that'll continue to grow. Here's what I've been told by some people that propose this to me, and I, I'd be curious what a listener thinks and what you think, and I don't agree with it, but somebody was saying to me yesterday, you know, they're, they're going to dig in. Uh, both sides are very, very much dug in on this. Now, in negotiations, sometimes you can get into a room and something of a core economic issue gets settled, and it opens up the door for everything. It mm-hmm. just like it's yep. dominoes just start to fall, which would be great. But they said, well, how would you feel, um, you know, kids are still in school, uh, some of the cold weather cities, you know, April is not a great draw. So, you know, yeah, we miss some time in April, but we get back. And I said, no, I, I, I don't think that's good. I think we need to have 162 games. I think we have to have a legitimate full regular season. Um, whether there's one person in the ballpark or 50,000, I think that's very important. And... I can understand the mindset and the statement of saying that April is cold and kids in school and crowds aren't great. That's fine. But there is something about the beauty of the sport is how long it is, the grind of it, and 162. And that's what I want to see. And the fact of the matter is those 30 games are televised. And For that's sure. where most of the money comes from anyway. A lot of it. You yeah. bet. You bet, man. And, and uh, you know, the the I, I think that's where I would be. And, again, I... You know, we go so much into the weeds on this, and it's just you and I doing a talk show, and we, we yeah. can sit there and talk about these things. But I got to wonder, you know, where are you at with local TV in five years, ten mm-hmm. years? Where Who's got the game uh, gambling rights? Uh, where's it, Where do we think it's going to be, especially when I'm talking about gambling, where is it going to be approved in what states? Is it coming to your particular state where you have a, a couple of teams or one team or whatever? That's a game changer, man, and you got to try yeah. to figure this stuff out and project. But, uh, you know... So somebody said to me, well, would you feel okay losing a month but knowing you had a seven-year agreement? And I said, no, I'd feel better having a seven-year agreement and a full with season. The, with the whole season. I'm right. Yep. That's, so. that's Dan. I'm Randy. We weren't able to connect with Greg Amzinger. We will. Maybe we can get Greg tomorrow. We'll, we'll get him tomorrow, huh? Yeah, we'll see. But coming up next, we want your text, 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way on Character Smallman, Minus Smallman, with Danny Mac and Matt on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Danny Mac, Randy, and Matt with you. And Dan, you remember back in 2014, the then St. Louis Rams took Greg Robinson, offensive tackle out of Auburn, with the second overall pick in the draft. We went in a deep dive the other day about that. Yeah, and he, uh, well, he didn't have the best NFL career. He sure didn't. He is attempting, apparently, to become an entrepreneur. Nice. According to uh, the police in Thibodeau, Louisiana, he was pulled over Monday at about midnight for a routine traffic stop. Cops say police 
canine spelled, smelled an order, uh, odor of drugs coming from inside Robinson's 2021 Black Escalade. And when they searched it, they found cocaine, crack, and much more. Then they went to his properties in the area and they found more illegal narcotics. They found pounds of what appeared to be crystal meth and cocaine and weed and more at the homes. They also said they found firearm magazines and ammunition. Interesting. And with Greg Robinson. Now, I don't do drugs, though. Mm-hmm. Just weed. Okay. Just take it or leave it. He is just an entrepreneur. Well, he had a he had a good base uh, in terms of mm. of starting the the business apparently that he's in because he signed for a, a sizable chunk of money and then probably made a few more millions. So how much do you think he made if he had to look at Greg Robinson and uh, uh, the amount of you know total career earnings? I would say. 22, 23, 24 million. So after taxes, you're talking maybe uh, 12, 13 million in cash that he's got. Yeah. Uh, so he had a good start, you know, to this uh, venture that he's in. I don't think I'd advise it. I don't think it's probably a good business to go in, Randy. I wouldn't advise that for you or no, your family no. or no. anybody listening. Danny, but he had a good start. You'll recall this isn't the first time that G Rob, G Money, if you know him like that, you can say over. that. Yeah. Uh, in February 2020, he allegedly had 157 pounds of the baby bang in his car. What's that? And oh, the Bellyondo spruce, you know. The, uh, the he was rolling a few burritos. So you're saying okay. it was weed? Uh, yeah, that's what okay. He had, he had right. 157 pounds, Dan. Because I know when you go to the, the club, Dow. you're always talking about that with your your posse. But I. I don't know what you're talking about until you, you got to break it down to me as if I'm a two-year-old, okay? Uh, okay, Dan, it's the Doradia. How about this? If you're a two-year-old, yeah. Greg Robinson is a purveyor of goods for people that like to puff the magic dragon. All right, this it's, isn't Peter, Paul, and Mary, though. Oh no, this is this is the devil's lettuce, baby. Okay, all right. By the way, twenty-nine million cash paid according to over the There you account. go. Wow. So he was on probation for five years for that case, and now it's meth, coke. Ween. Mm-hmm. Well, he's just venturing out, I guess. Yeah, he is. He's expanding his horizons, so, as it were. What was the uh, beginning Diverse of this portfolio? Take it or uh, leave it. So, the tw- take it or leave it. <laughs> even though he didn't have a great NFL career, he will make it as an entrepreneur. Well, I'm going to leave that because uh, already a couple of times now, he's with his said business, he's run into some problems. So maybe uh, shift the business model. Maybe. Would you go to weed college? Dang. Yeah. There you go. Greg Robinson. I like all your slang, Randy. You're teaching me things. Uh, I want to do that. I want to educate the public, Dan, not just you. But you've done that with me. People, yeah, they have to, not have to, but I think people want to know about the Bobo Bush. So give me the slang that you've given me. You gave me Bobo Bush. You gave me... uh, The Baby Bang. Okay. Did we talk about Acapulco Red? Probably not. No. Well, earlier, early in the story, did I hear Nicaraguan marching powder? I don't think we got into that. Okay. No. Crazy really? weed. Okay. Um, Queen Anne's lace. Whatever. I've never Queen even heard Anne's of it. Lace. You must be. Well, here's the thing. When when you when down you, with your posse. I was gonna say when you have when you have you know the rhymes that Randy has. Oh, he's amazing. And you go to the club mm-hmm. uh, he talked about the other day. Yep. Um, with his uh, where he keeps his thing on him. Um, I mean, you have you get into this kind of lingo. It's just it's natural. Well, you he was you telling me. It. You know, Randy has got kind of like two lives, right? Mm-hmm. So you were telling me, I guess off the air. Because you have to be at the Hardee's early tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you were just going to do an all-nighter with your posse tonight. And yeah, yeah. Now, because I 
I want to be awake and alert tomorrow. Uh-huh. I'll avoid the bombalacha tonight. Yeah, you can't, sure. You can't blame him for anything he does. You 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 egg it on 100%. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, he just he was just telling me he's going to pull an all-nighter and go right into Hardee's and then start raising yeah. uh, money to to heat people. And I I have nothing against the bobo. As a matter of fact, in many states, apparently not Thibodeau, Louisiana. Well, even in Thibodeau, Louisiana, it may or may not be legal. I'm not sure. But I can tell you that uh, it's likely, likely that there is not a municipality in the United States of America that is allowing for legalized crack. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I don't want to go down that road. Um, okay, so let's, because uh, I get to see where this was going to go. 120 and grand in his car, and then he. So he had 120 grand cash in the car. No, 120 grand uh, worth of illegal drugs. Oh, the the, the Bobo happy yeah. stuff. Okay, other stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get us back on track here, if you okay, don't mind, good. Matt. That was a good take it or leave it. It was a, a hell of a one. And Randy, nice work. Very, very well done. And the photo, uh, it's funny. The uh, police department photo says, the alleged drugs. <laughs> it's got a photo of everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's almost like seeing Leslie Nielsen with the thing exploding. But nothing, nothing to, to see, see here. Yeah. Um, all right, take it or leave it. Uh, I, I believe Rob Manfred, one way or another, is going to address the MLB commissioner, will address the media at some point today. Now, I don't know if this is a press conference or if he is just uh, making a statement. I, I don't know, but I, I guess there's going to be some kind of public statement from him today. Take it or leave it, he comes out and says, we will officially have a delay of spring training. I'm going to take that. Yeah, I, I kind of think so, too. Didn't. I'm, I'm with you. Um, normally, Randy, I'd be Saturday probably going down to spring training and then set up uh, Sundays, kind of a setup day for us. We do a lot of stuff behind the scenes for the video board down at the ballpark and commercials and things of that nature to get ready for the season. Um, I don't think that's going to happen this uh, no. Saturday. And by the way, Evan Drellich at The Athletic reporting that the two sides have scheduled a collective bargaining session, but we don't know what the date of that is. I think I read last night that there could be a counterproposal by the owners tonight and then back at the table either tomorrow or Saturday, if not both. So time is of the essence, obviously, to get this thing going. All right. Uh, Matthew, what do you got for us? Take it or leave it. Both Sosa and DeYoung have more at-bats this year than Gorman. Mm, good one. I'm going to leave yeah, like that. that one. Because with the absence now of Marp, you've got Carlson as a left-handed Give hitter. me that again. What was it again? Take it or Both leave it. DeYoung and Sosa have more at-bats than Gorman. Yes. I think Gorman's got a lot of value in being a left-handed hitter. So I, I'm i going to say but those, gonna I think those two will split time. So I'm going to say that Gorman, maybe by an edge, maybe by a, a fingernail, has more at-bats than both DeYoung and Sosa. Okay, so you're you're saying 50-50 split it short, mm-hmm. essentially. Yep. So then you're talking about 320 to 350 at-bats for both guys. It gets you around seven, yeah. you know, six to 700 at-bats for your shortstops if it's 50-50. I think the thing that would change it for me is if one or the other, DeYoung or Sosa, takes the reins and runs with the job. Mm-hmm. And then they get the 500 at-bats. And the other thing that could change everything is if the Cardinals go out and sign a left-handed hitting DH. For sure. Yeah. Um, Gorman, you know, that's one of the parts of spring training is, by the way, he and he is not on the 40-man, so he can report and work mm-hmm. with the Major League Club. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think he could – I could make a case that he breaks north with the club. I could also make the case where they say, no, you're going to stay down for a couple yeah. of months and then eventually bring him up. But I, I do think we see him at some point this year. Yep. And by the way, that meeting is Saturday. Saturday, Between okay. MLB and MLBPA. I just think at-bats, like you said, they're going to they're gonna keep him down and, and give him playing time. But uh, if he's a DH, you get that plan. I don't know if they want to put him in a corner of just saying, all right, you're only going to hit. Mm-hmm. I think they want to continue to develop him defensively at second base. Take it or leave it. Dakota Hudson emerges as, at, emerges as a number one starter over Wayno and even Flaherty. I'm going to leave that I'm, just because I think they're going to be careful with innings coming for, off of Tommy John. Right. And for this year, I'm going to leave it. But for the long term, three years, would I be surprised? And by the way, Wayno's not going to be around in three years. But I w- would I be surprised if Dakota Hudson were the Cardinals' number one starter in three years? I would not. Because I think he has... Not front of the rotation stuff, but I think he's got, as Tony would say, he's got a front of the rotation stomach. Well, let's uh, let's throw a take it or leave it. Say that he's healthy. Is Jack Flaherty here in three years? I'm going to leave that. Think he goes, huh? Yeah, I think that he. I think he will price himself out of the Cardinals' desires in terms of paying. It's just thinking about this, Randy. Um, you know, Mo is usually taking spring training to kind of look at a guy to sign long term Mm -hmm. you know you can go back to carpenter colton wong uh others that have signed in spring training it's kind of like his target right Right. de young was a guy that got an extension recently um that was something i was thinking about in this spring training is it jack flaherty did they approach him with a deal is it to approach him right i would think so is it tyler o'neill is it tommy edmund i think it's one of those bader and the cardinals really went down the line with Tyler O'Neill. They've gone I agree. through a lot of injuries and bumps in the road with him. O'Neill would be my guy. 34 homers last year and got better and better and appears to be ascending. That was my target. In fact, if they would do both O'Neill and Edmund, it would not surprise me. If they give Edmund a, a Paul DeYoung-type contract, wouldn't be surprised at all. Would not surprise me with Bader either, and I'll tell you no. why. They, they feel he was really the glue that got things going back again when he was healthy even with an over four but they love what he does defensively so bader would not shock me either no and i can give you a statistic quickly here one moment uh let's discuss among ourselves okay what do you got randall okay so last year harrison bader as a member of your st louis cardinals obviously you remember he when the Cardinals went bad in June, that was a big part of them not succeeding was not having him. I think DeYoung was out field. too. And, right. And yeah. uh, obviously you lost Flaherty. So the Cardinals were, uh, he played in 63 winning games. So when the Cardinals, he, he only played in a total of 103 and he played in 63 winning games. So the Cardinals were 60 and 43 when he played. And when he did play, so that 17 games over 500. When he didn't play, they lost 40. There was a stat that I looked up. They were, were, yeah, 40 games, 63 and 40 when he played. Randy, at one point, Tyler O'Neill, remember he was on the DL, I think, or injured list three different times. When Bader and O'Neill played together, you gotta look at those numbers especially uh, uh, even prior to the 17-game winning streak, the winning percentage of the club was like 20 to 25 games above 500 with both were in the lineup. 
that's how important yeah, both amazing. those guys were. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And that is Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Coming up, okay, you're going to have your Super Bowl get-together, whether it's just your family or you're having people over or you're throwing a full-blown party. What are your three must-have menu items? And this can be food and or drink. Your three must-have menu items for your Super Bowl. Text in 65780. We want to hear from you. We'll give you ours next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You, a free wellness program available in the app today. 805 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. There will be 700 million chickens that have to give their lives for wings on Super Bowl Sunday. Will you be one of those partaking in the wings, Randall? Wings are an important part of any base menu for a Super Bowl get-together. Any football game, really. Americans eat more food on Super Bowl Sunday than any other day of the year except for Thanksgiving. We will take in 112 million pounds of snacks before the game even begins, and then we'll start eating pizza. The American pizza community expects Americans to order more than 12.5 million pizzas during the game. Chicken wings, obviously extremely popular. The National Chicken Council estimating Americans to chow down on 1.42 billion chicken wings, thus the 700 million chickens that are going to have to give their lives for us. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, one note though. Okay. That's enough chicken wings to circle the Earth's circumference three times. Wow. Seriously? Yeah. Uh, You're a hell of a cook, okay? Joan is really good. What do you think that maybe we we, uh, I'll invest in the food, you cook it, and we sell it for Super Bowl Sunday. We'll call it Randy's Kitchen. That'd be fun. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how much cash do you think we can make? I mean, we're not making Greg oh, Robinson not this cash. Year, not this year, but if we plan, yeah, we could do really well. I think we could. could. Have a great Maybe we donate it to a charity or something. But, yeah. if, but here's my problem, though: if, if somebody gets sick, we're going to get sued, and then we're out That's of job. That's a good point. All right. So, Dan, yes, your sir. three base, and Matthew's going to okay. weigh in here. We want you to weigh in six five seven eight zero. Your three base menu items for the Super Bowl. Uh, you mentioned one, chicken wings. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'd go nachos. Mm-hmm. And I'd probably put like some pork or beef or something on them. Beans, cheese. Uh, I don't like salsa, but I have sour cream. So I, I do that. And then uh, pizza. Those would be my three. That's funny because I have nachos written yeah. down. I have pepperoni pizza written down yeah i have wings now that's in game my pregame must include (laughs) yeah you separate this yeah oh yes because my pregame i have to get to schnooks and buy one of those shrimp rings oh yeah those are good those are delicious I like the cheese and crackers there. Yeah, they they have like call. a pre-prepared, and they got that like the smoked tray. Uh, sausage and stuff. Oh, I like and that. Gouda. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know I could do a, an appetizer on my on top of my three, but you stole mine, Randy, because if I could have picked one and I would have known that, I should have thought outside the box. Yeah, I would have picked cocktail shrimp because I absolutely love delicious. cocktail shrimp. It's one of my favorite things in the entire world. What about a little toasted rav? You can do a little toasted rav. You can yeah. always do a little toasted rav. It, I can get people using that as a base. It's just not, if I'm only given three. Okay. Okay, so my three are going to be the nachos, the wings, and the pizza. I'm I'm with you on that. I'm going to go a little bit different. People are going to hammer me for this, but I don't care if they're not actually wings. 
I like the boneless. I don't like to mess. I don't like to mess with the bones. Are you five years old? I am five no, years old. That. Absolutely. I don't are, like to me- yeah. because here's the thing. I'm already gonna have to mess with the nachos. I'm getting chicken nachos, by the way. And when I get nachos, I slop them up with a lot of salsa and pico de gallo and a bunch of shredded chicken and things like that. So I'm gonna get messy already with the with the nachos. I want to be able to very cleanly just take a fork, grab a wing, dip it, and go. Yeah, but if you. How, it depends how big the boneless wings are. If they're like little, some are little nuggets, talking, some are long. I'm talking, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking tenders. Okay, more like the tossed in sauce kind of nugget style. Because I just want something quick, and then I want something a little bit lighter but still very tasty. I'm gonna go with a little spinach and artichoke dip with some peanuts. Ooh, I nice. do like that. Oh, actually, oh that's yeah, really because you're, you're there, you're you're really you're good. scooping and dunking again. It's not chips. It's not as salty. Mm-hmm. Something a little bit lighter. That's what I'm going with for my third choice. Well All done. Right. From the six one eight, Chad from Grand says we're gonna do wings, a big Gus's football pretzel, and a large charcuterie board. Oh, nice play, Chad. Good. What's a charcuterie board? It's, uh, cheese, salami. Me, meat yeah, and cheese board. So kind of like what I was talking, talking about. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yep. How about uh, one that we left out? This from 314. Wings, potato skins, and this year for this party, Ooh, chili skins. with spaghetti a la Skyline in Cincinnati. No SoCal sushi for us. That's from Steve in Webster. Yeah. Steve, thank you. Yeah, you can't do anything SoCal related. Have you guys ever had school. Skyline? Yeah, I no, have. Thank you. I think making chili... Uh, akin so to what to Skyline is. You gotta have Skyline. Right. But I'm not a sweet chili guy. I'm well, I'm a more of a spicy chili guy. Well, you can get it like, you can do it like five different ways. Okay. You can put, if you wanted the onions on it, you can do that. You can get the, basically the spaghetti noodles and then they throw on the sauce and then they, they you can put the cheese. I mean, there's all so, kinds of ways you can do it. Kind of like uh, Steak and Shake, R.I.P. used to do. Yeah, a little bit like that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I would say that. I don't think it's as good as Steak and Shake. I'll just say that. But I've had Skyline, and if Al Roboski is listening right now, he loves Skyline. I love mm. pizza, and I love potato skins, but they're both a little bit too filling. you got you got to be able to go back to, to the well multiple times. Yeah, but you got to have – Those are filling things, Yeah, you know? but, you, you know, you pace yourself, man. Yeah, I true. like this one from the 314. I keep it simple. Pizza, wings, and Dr. Pepper. From the 314, mm-hmm. beer – Smoked be a lot salsa, of beer consumed. I know that meatballs and wings and a Rams loss. I take the Rams loss. I also like the meatballs. Matt mentioned the uh, the artichoke dip. I'm a big fan of that. My wife makes an unbelievable one. I got to get on her this weekend and tell her to to get that done. How if she truly one? loves me, she'll do that. Oh, Maybe if you phrase it a little beauty. bit differently, you might yeah. have a better shot at it. Uh, there's no chance. <laughs> From the three one four, my three must haves: guacamole, taco dip. Whole fruit margaritas, my recipe. Sharon and Glencoe, thank you very much for the text. We always appreciate you texting in. And whole fruit margarita sounds delicious. Love the idea of the taco dip. I am not an avocado or guacamole guy. Me neither. I, I Matter of fact, I don't think, Randall, I've ever had an avocado. Do you know I've mm. never sliced a tomato and eaten a tomato? Really? What? Never. Now, I love ketchup. So that's why you don't like salsa. You know, there's a. You, you, said, you, said, you said that earlier. You didn't yeah, like salsa. I don't, I've never really had salsa. I mean, I've had it like when it's you know when you get the nachos and there's a little salsa yeah. on the side. You never and really might just had like chips and salsa at the, like a no. Mexican restaurant. No. Hmm. Oh man, how about that? You're no. missing out. There's I like a, the cheese. Give me the so cheese simple. and bacon. Yeah. Uh, okay, Give me so a little queso. Like the, the, what's the cheese and bacon? They call that the. Uh, Queso or Kizo or yeah, queso. something. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah let's give me that. I believe there might be a let's tomato shortage at the moment. Seriously? Yeah. That's why, Randy, uh, when all's said and done, you and I will be able to live off the land. And we're, we're talking mm-hmm. about building our greenhouse. So I think that'll be fine. We, we can put some tomatoes in there. Yeah. From the 314, three really good base items, especially if you are an avocado or guacamole person. Chili, wings, and guac. 
uh, from the four, four, six, nine beer, wings, and jalapenos. Uh, how about this one from the 314? Wings, pizza, and Pepsi. That's an all-American, especially with the Pepsi halftime show, all-American choice. I'll take Coke. I'm a Coke guy over Are Pepsi, you? but I like Diet Pepsi better than Diet Coke. I like Cherry Pepsi, but regular Coke. All right. Well, here's what happens, Dan. At my yeah. golf tournament, my friends from Dr. Pepper... Uh, always help out. Do they donate to you? They do. That's so, awesome. Uh, I'm a uh, I'm totally a, a Dr Pepper diet, Dr Pepper guy. Thanks to my friend Rob Wetzel from Dr Pepper Keurig, who provides those drinks every year. So yeah, I'm always I'm, I'm Dr Pepper all the way. So will you guys get up and like you know you wake up on a Sunday, maybe sleep in a little bit. Mm-hmm. You guys get up early all the time, so mm-hmm. your body clock is probably getting you up at seven at least. Yes. I mean, that sl- seven would be like sleeping in for you guys. So hate it by. Eight, nine o'clock, are you starting on some of these, or are you having like a normal breakfast, then it starts around noon? Sunday is kind of traditionally kind of a brunch day for us anyway, with waffles and hash browns and stuff. So we do that, and then probably something, if anything, a light, like mid-afternoon, three o'clock kind of thing, snack, and then uh, five o'clock we'd probably set up. Before I cook breakfast, I'm brining all that chicken. Okay. I got to get that ready. My family, by the way, my son and I... Uh, we will have the Super Bowl party. Uh, my wife and my daughter are all out on the NFL. They do they're not done with like. it. Huh? Yeah, they're so they aren't going to watch the game. They aren't going to participate. What They'll watch do? the Puppy Bowl. They'll find something else to watch. They'll probably watch Bravo downstairs or something like that. Yeah, maybe, or maybe I'll be downstairs. Channel. Yeah. Maybe they'll be upstairs, and I'll be watching downstairs, Patrick and I. But, yeah, we'll Patrick and I will have our own little uh, Super unless he's he might be going somewhere. I don't know. I might have to have my own Super Bowl party with my own wings and my own pizza and with my own shrimp friends. cocktail. Yeah. All your friends. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks for the invite, too, Randy. Yeah. I'd, I'd show up to your house. The thing is with, and I know this sounds selfish, but we do have a show, and I don't like being at a Super Bowl party because naturally, in our business, people want to ask us about the game and talk to us. Yeah. I get that. I, I love talking to people. But actually watching and being able to pay attention to the game is kind Watch of important game. for me. I, I find that more people, I don't know if you agree with this, if I'm at a Super Bowl party, I remember being at one a couple of years ago, nobody was watching the game until the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. It was a tight game. It was the uh, 49er game that was pretty good. With Kansas City, yeah. Yeah. Um, but everybody stopped during the commercials mm-hmm. right. and paid attention to yeah. that. Everybody. Yeah. So that's why I, I don't land at places where there are a, a, a ton of people because I just I, I want to be able to pay attention to, to what's going on in the football game. I'm with you. Hey, we appreciate you weighing in with your base uh, Super Bowl menu items. And I hope you have a great Sunday. hope it's a good time. And I know a lot of you, uh, kind of like my family, have kind of checked out on the NFL and more power to you. But that doesn't mean you can't have a party. Still head on over to Schnooks and get everything you need and have your puppy bowl party and then just watch Below Deck or whatever. I like Below Deck. I love Below Boy, Deck. Boy, a lot of drama in that show, Randy. I would... Uh, a lot of I, love stories, too. Yeah. I would like to do one of those trips. Do really? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Do you want to go with Joan or do you want to make it a guy's trip? Oh no! You know, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of nice looking ladies on below deck. That's true. She would not want to make that. trip. No, I don't think she, she doesn't would. like doing the water stuff. She likes the show, but she doesn't like being on the water. So yeah, I think it'd have to be a guy's trip. I, it's gonna be tough for me. I got the NFL game on uh, Sunday, but I also have some. Um, 
uh, DVR. To, if, is DVR still a thing? Yeah, it is. Okay. I, I have a lot right. of stuff on my DVR. Uh, DVR, I got to watch uh, Meat Eater. I'm a big fan oh, of Meat Eater. Love that. Yeah, he was Great. preparing uh, caribou hearts yesterday. He had a uh, deer heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Valentine's. I think caribou tongue and something else, but he was preparing it. It was very interesting, nice. Randy. Very interesting. That is today's fresh take on 101 ESPN, and all of your fresh items are available <laughs> at, at Schnucks. There you go. Go to Schnucks. John Kelly next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home. With locations in Crestwood, Manchester, Overland, and St. Peter's. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Dan McLaughlin is in for Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And John Kelly back to work tonight after an 11-day uh, time without hockey and JK is with us now as he'll get ready for tonight's game between the Blues and the New Jersey Devils on Bally Sports. John Kelly, how are you this morning? Doing well, guys. How are you? Good. What have you been doing during these 11 days? Oh, gosh. You know, just sort of killing time. Uh, my wife and I were thinking of doing something, but then she came down with a cold and stuff and my my son's been uh, back home from Alaska for the last couple of weeks, sort of unexpected on a little vacation. So we've just been hanging out as a family here. So nothing big. JK, uh, what do you expect for the second half? Just generally speaking, what do you think about the Blues? They had this little layoff, uh, obviously a goaltender situation to figure out, but they're healthy, it looks like, pretty much, except for Perunovic. So generally speaking, uh, give me your, your thoughts on the final, uh, what, almost 40 games left to go in this season. 38 to go. Yeah. 38 to go, Dan. Yeah, they have eight this month and then 30 games in uh, March and April, which is a you know a big number, 15 games a month on average. So what do I expect? I think this team's ready to roll. They're healthy, as you said. Going into the break, they stumbled a little bit in their last game against Winnipeg, but you know that's not the end of the world. And I think, you know, in listening to the, the players speak the last couple of days on their Zoom interviews and head coach Craig Berube, I think the biggest thing that this team wants to focus on in the second half here is to be a better defensive team. I think we know that they can score goals. They're sixth in the NHL in goals scored. Um, they have plenty of offense. They have offense from their defense. So that's not an issue. They're two good goaltenders, as we've seen. So I think that they, they feel that to become a championship contending team, which I think they, they feel that they have uh, the chance to do, they have to be a better defensive team. So I think that's the focus in the second half. But obviously a long ways to go. And number one is to play well and get into the Stanley Cup playoffs because right now the Blues sit in a wild card spot, amazingly enough, 13 games over 500. John, we will have the press conference today here on 101 ESPN as the Blues officially announced Craig Berube's contract extension. From your perspective, you've seen a lot of teams coached by a lot of guys. What is it that sets Craig Berube apart and makes him perfect for this team? Well, I, I think that even though he, he is, you know, known as a, a tough guy and he's a, he's a no-nonsense kind of coach and, you know, he, he doesn't mince words, as we know. I think he does the same with his players. He's very direct. But I think he's a player's coach, and I think the guys love playing for him. I, I really do. And, and I say that because when he was coaching down in Chicago in the American League um, and the Blues had a lot of their players down there, whenever a player would come up, one of the first things he would tell us is how much they enjoy playing for Craig Berube. Now, 
is is he tough to to play for and demanding? Of course he is. But you know, all good coaches are demanding. They're trying to push the players to the limit. But I think the biggest thing, his strength, is he's got a great feel for his own players. You know, when to mix lines and change lines and maybe set a guy out or whatever. But also a great feel for the game. His in-game adjustments are fantastic. When the team isn't playing well, he'll mix lines and, and do things like that. So I think it's great news that he's on board for at least three more years, and congratulations to Craig. So the goaltending situation, obviously a, a, a big storyline for this second half, J.K. How do you think beginning tonight it plays out when you talk about Bennington and Huso? Well, Dan, I don't know. I, I, you know, We're going to go to the skate here in, in, a, in a little while and, and find out you know who's starting tonight. I, I think right now, it's. I don't want to say it's up for grabs. I think Bennington is, is certainly the guy that you know coming into the season was the clear cut number one. But the way that Billy Huso has played, he, he deserves a lot of starts and and he deserves to play. and And I think it's a positive that they have two good goaltenders. So I think that their play on the ice and their and their records and their numbers will probably dictate who gets the majority of the starts here in the second half. So that's the way I see it right now is that they, they have two guys that are, um, you know, I know that Bennington hasn't played well the last couple of games, but, you know, obviously this guy has a Stanley Cup under his belt, and uh, we'll, we'll let their play dictate what happens, uh, you know, on the ice, what happens down the road here. John, uh, you guys have not broadcast the games in Canada, and next week the Blues will play those games that they were supposed to play in Canada. They've got at Ottawa and at Toronto, sandwiched around a game at Montreal. And the Blues talk about and talked during the bubble about how their emotion was affected by not having fans in the stands. I wonder if they've done something to be able to to correct that because it really is important in those games specifically to be really engaged, isn't it? Well, obviously, but I think it hurts the home team more than the, the visiting team, right? Quite honestly, Randy. So I think it's a it's a it's a bonus that when the Blues go up to Montreal next week in Ottawa, and, and they are changing their restrictions and things, they're trying to loosen them up a little bit. And I don't know what the rules will be next week, um, but you know, right now there there aren't a lot of fans. I watched the game last night um, in in Vancouver and Calgary. They do have some fans, but you know, Ottawa hasn't had any fans. Montreal hasn't had fans, and Toronto hasn't had fans. And that's where the Blues are going. So my take on that is it really hurts the home team a lot more than it hurts the visiting team. J.K., I know you're not um, in the rooms with the Board of Governors of those said teams in Canada and trying to figure out. I should out, be, Dan. You oh, know that? I should be. If it was up to me, Brody, you'd be the commissioner. <laughs> Believe me, we never have a work stoppage. and, and No, we wouldn't. And, and broadcasters <laughs> would be paid really, really well. Um, and so what do you think this has done to, you know, Toronto may be a little different, Montreal, but when you're talking about some of these places that don't have fans, so they don't have the money coming in, what's the residual effect? I, I know it's a tough question, but financially, will it restrict some of these teams in what they do in trying to sign players or even re-sign players? And then does that mean that, you know what, it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, teams coming in and saying, yeah, we'll, we'll take that contract. We'll help you out because we got money coming in. Well, it could, you know, uh, obviously the trade deadline is coming up in, I think, March 21st, Dan. And, you know, you're talking, I'm, I'm sure, about teams like Montreal and Ottawa. Teams exactly. that are they're clearly out of the playoff. I mean, Montreal is going to have their worst season ever. So, yeah, I think that, you know, players that are on those teams, uh, generally speaking, would probably like a trade at this point. Who knows? I can't speak for everybody. Um, 
but down the road, you know, big picture, it, it hurts the entire league, Dan, because as we know, the owners and the players split the sure. what's called HRR. So it's it's going to hurt the players and the owners going into next year, and and the salary cap probably won't rise at all. And and the players might have to face more escrow, higher escrow, which they're already paying a lot of escrow, as we know. So you know this this situation with with limited crowds in Canada has has really hurt you know those teams, but in particular, it's going to hurt the entire league. And finally, John, you talk about this ability to play against the the East. Eleven of the next thirteen against the East, and the Blues will face among those teams in the East the top or, or the bottom six: Montreal, Buffalo, Ottawa, New Jersey, Philly, and the Islanders. So this is a really good opportunity for the Blues to make some hay over the next thirteen games. Well, exactly, and you've got to win those games because we know how tough it is right now. As I said earlier, the Blues right now, as we speak, are sitting out of the top three in the Central Division, which, of course, the top three are guaranteed a playoff spot. So now they're in a wild-card spot. But, you know, they're, they're obviously in very good shape with the record, and I think they will make some hay here, and they should. I mean, New Jersey comes in here tonight, guys. They won in Montreal the other night 7-1, but that was their first win in eight games. They had lost seven in a row before that. Their top two goaltenders are out right now, and John Gillies, the player the Blues had earlier this year, he was signed to a PTO um, by the Blues, and because of all their injuries and COVID, he had to play a game, and then the Blues put him on waivers, and he started their last game in Montreal. So they're down to like their fourth goaltender. Um, Dougie Hamilton, their best defenseman, is out with a broken jaw. Jack Hughes is in COVID protocol. So tonight's an example of a game against a team that's really hurting, not playing well, and you got to take advantage of those games. John, my final question. You think the Blues come out in this first period just like just shot out of a cannon because it's been a while? And I, I bring that up because I, I think they've got to be better in first periods. If my numbers are correct, I was looking at this. I think in the 44 games, they only led – in like 13 of those first periods. So it seems like they get off to sometimes these slow starts, and I wonder if that changes tonight. Well, hopefully. I mean, you're right. Their second periods have been their best periods this season, Dan. So obviously, you know, when you chase games, as we know, in any sport, it's tough. You have to come out of your system and maybe take some risks and things like that. So they've got to be better. I was at practice yesterday, Dan, and and there seemed to be really good energy. So they've had a couple of good practices, and you would hope and you would think they will come out after an 11-day break. We're in a go tonight against New Jersey. Absolutely. John Kelly, always great to hear your voice. Thank you so much for the time. We always appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys, thanks for having me. See you later. That is John Kelly, the voice of the Blues on Bally Sports on 101 ESPN. By the way, Dan, I mentioned those 11 out of 13 against the East. Eight of those 11 are against teams in the bottom six in the East. And if we include the two games that the Blues play against the Blackhawks. So in your next 13 games, the Blues will be playing against teams that have the worst, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth worst records in the league. 11 out of 13, and you're going to play eight of those against teams that are in the bottom nine in the league. Now, I'm going to follow that up and just say, and I agree with you. I know where you're going here. Those are winnable games. Those are points out there to go get. So the Blues have 38 games remaining, Randy. 21 of those are on the road. 
Their winning percentage on the road is 525. Got to be better. And that's yeah. in the bottom half. It's, it's almost right in the middle, but um, it's, I think, 16th in the NHL. Got to be better. Got to be better on the road. No doubt. And let me correct myself. It's 10. 10 of the next 13 are against the bottom nine teams in the NHL. That's Dan. I'm Randy. The fight next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. All right, Dan McLaughlin with you. Randy out of the studio. Michelle in uh, South Africa. She'll be back next week. She's on a long uh, safari. She had a wedding out there, so she'll be back with you next week. I'm filling in. Matt Rocchio is there. He's going to have questions two and four. I'll have one and two. And we say to the challenger, another Matt, good morning, Matt. Welcome to 101 ESPN. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh, I'm living the dream, sir. Living the dream. Well, what's part of that dream? What do you do for a living? I sell scientific instruments. Huh. Scientific instruments. Okay. Can we be a little bit more specific? Yeah. So analytical instruments like chromatography, mass spectrometry, spectroscopy instruments. Oh, yeah. I got those. You you asked them, Danny. I know. I I got them in my uh, closet. (laughs) You must be a very bright individual to be able to do this. All right. So Uh, if you're a bright individual, that means you're going to beat Randy today. You ready to go? I am. I'm going to give it a go. All right, let's do it. Question one. Former Cardinals managers Miller Huggins, Branch Rickey, Tony La Russa all have degrees in what subject? History, economics, law. Oh, man. Tony seems like he'd be good with economics. I'll guess that. All right. Of the eight members of the 600 home run club since the award was created, who is the only one to never win the MVP? So there are eight members of the 600 Home Run Club, and since the MVP award has been created, only one of them has not won the MVP. Is it Rafael Palmero, Jim Tomey, or Sammy Sosa? My guess was Jim Tomey before the uh, option, so I'll stick with him. There are only three players to rush for over 100 yards in multiple Super Bowls. Emmitt Smith, Terrell Davis, and who is the third? Is it Franco Harris, Larry Zonka, or Thurman Thomas? Oh, man. Uh, I guess Thurman Thomas was in four. Franco Harris is probably in a handful, too. Uh, I'll go Thurman Thomas. All right. And what QB owns the record for most interceptions thrown in his Super Bowl career? Is it Jim Kelly, Craig Morton, or John Elway? Uh, let's go Jim Kelly. All right. Let's uh, bring in Randy. Um, <laughs> I got to tell you, Matt, are you related to the uh, Hawkman family of the Post-Dispatch? I, no. 
I am not. Okay, you sound like Benjamin Hockman a little bit. I just was. I just want to make sure we got the correct guy on this, and it's not Matt Hockman or some relation to Benjamin Hockman. You would have told one joke. By sounds now. like. Listen to him, Randy. Uh, Randy, say good morning to Matt. Matt, good morning. Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks what do you for listening. Thanks for playing. I think he does sound like Benjamin Hockman. Okay. I can't get it out of my, hair, in my ear. Okay. So are you ready, Randy? I'm as ready as I'm going to be, Dan. Well, that's great. Let's do it. Okay. Former Cardinals managers Miller Huggins, Branch Rickey, and Tony LaRusso all had degrees in what subject? Well, I know that uh, Branch Rickey and Tony LaRusso had law degrees, so I will go with that. Question two, please. Of the eight members since the MVP award was created who are in the 600 home run club, who is the only one to never win the MVP? Okay. Well, you've got Hank Aaron, who won MVPs. How many guys are part of the 600, 700 home run club? Like seven or eight? I guess eight now. He said there are nine total, but there are only eight in the club since the MVP award was created. Okay. So A-Rod won MVPs, Aaron won MVPs, obviously Barry won MVPs, Griffey uh-huh. won MVPs. Yes. 600 home runs. Sosa won an MVP. Probably shouldn't have, but he did. Um, okay, so I'm narrowing it down here. Um, Matthew, I'll go with the lifeline here. Is it Rafael Palmero, Jim Tomey, or Sammy Sosa? Okay, Sosa won. Pretty sure Palmero won, but I don't recall Jim Tomey winning one. It's a coin flip here, and I'm going to say Tomey is the guy that didn't win an MVP. Question three, Randy. There are only three players to rush for over 100 yards in multiple Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. Emmitt Smith, Terrell Davis. Who is the third? This is really interesting. It's got to be Franco Harris. It's Franco Harris and Larry Zonka. That's my my own little list here. I'm going to go with Franco. Franco's Italian army. All right, and staying with the Super Bowl questions, what QB owns the record for most interceptions thrown in his Super Bowl career? Super Bowl career. Elway, More than likely, it's a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Elway played in five. Montana. Brady's played in ten. And he's thrown some picks. But so has Elway. But I got to go with the guy that's played in 10 games. I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Matt, ring the bell. We do have a winner on this Thursday morning. Go ahead and ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Can I... Go ahead, Randy. Do all the things. No, 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 go ahead and do it. We're up against the clock. We got to go against the clock. You're out of order! You're out of order! No, you are. The whole trial is out of order! All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Oh, it's too hot. Too hot. Don't stop believing! Win, 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 win! Okay, you happy? Question one, former Cardinal manager Miller Huggins, Branch Rickey, Tony LaRusso, they all had law degrees. So Matt got that wrong, Randy got that correct. 
And of the eight members since the award was created who are in the 600 Home Run Club who, who has never won the MVP, it is Jim Tomey, both Randy and Matt, that got that correct. Both got this wrong. Three uh, players to rush for over 100 yards, multiple Super Bowls, mm-hmm. Emmett Smith, Terrell Davis, and Larry Zonka. Oh, how about yep. that? Was not Franco Harris. And what QB owns the record for the most interceptions thrown in his Super Bowl career? It is John Elway. He has thrown eight in five games. Brady is at six through ten games. Hmm. And I think almost all of them are in the last four Super Bowls. Wow. When did you start that one? No. Jeremy Rutherford's coming up next. Let's go to break. <laughs> to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend, our Blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, joins us on this day that the Blues will officially announce the... Actually, they'll introduce, reintroduce Craig Berube as their coach. They officially announced his three-year extension yesterday. We've got the press conference coming up at 10 o'clock at the conclusion of our show. JR, good morning, and uh, i got to ask, obviously, we've been talking about this all year long. You have said that they'll get something done. Were you at all surprised by the timing of the extension for Craig Bruby? No, not really. I think going into this break, you thought that uh, they could probably get something done and, and announce it during the break. I even thought maybe last week, but uh, you know, they, they, they did get it done as, as we saw coming and announced it yesterday. And I think it's great timing guys. Uh, you mentioned they're back on the ice tonight after this long layoff, you got the 38 games uh, you guys broke down uh, in the last segment. And I think that this gives you a little extra oomph. Not that everybody didn't know he wasn't coming back, but you got the coach signed, sealed, delivered. They'll make that official uh, today at the press conference. And uh, Craig Bruby will be back behind the bench for the next three years. You know, it's uh, been a, I think it was just always a question, JR, as, as we've talked about a lot, not a question of when but uh, or if, but when they did this. So they finally get this done. Um, what makes him a great coach? Why did he think the Blues feel comfortable in a three-year extension? I just think everything about him, I think his demeanor, his calmness, his experience as a player and as a, as a coach. I wrote a couple months ago when he won uh, number 200 in his career. He's just the seventh uh, all-time to, to play 1,000 games in the league, to coach 200 victories behind the bench. I think his presence, you know, Larry Robinson told me something a few weeks ago. He said he was a fighter. This is a guy who lived on – uh, people igniting him, and he reacts. But that's the exact opposite of how he is as a coach. He, he's patient. The best thing about him, we've been saying it for years, his communication skills. You can go into that Blues locker room and talk to just about any player, guys, and uh, they'll tell you the same thing, just the way he tells them how things are, what he needs from them, and how he rewards them. Look, Ivan Barbashev went in there and said, I want to play more. I want a bigger role. And they said, okay, well, we'll put you in that role. You need to prove it. And he did. And, and look what's happened just based on that communication there. JR, a few years ago, the Capitals won the Stanley Cup, and Barry Trotz, their coach, became a free agent, got big money from the Islanders. Are, are you at all surprised that with just 38 games left in the season that Barubi didn't? try to test this market with all the success that he's had here? Well, I think you go to his comment yesterday. He said, you know, where else would I want to be? I mean, why would I want to leave? That was his comment yesterday. And I genuinely think that's how he feels. 
And, you know, coaches' contracts in the NHL, at least, uh, you know, aren't made public a lot. And I got to believe that Craig Bruby was probably around that uh, close to that $2 million mark. And I think even though the playoff success hasn't been here, we, of course, remember the Stanley Cup. When I say playoff success, I mean the past couple of years. Um, and then uh, you look at what they've done in the regular season, battling uh, COVID and, and the roster construction and losing guys, you know, in, in warm-ups. And, and I think what he's shown is that he's very capable. And I do think that he would have been a wanted man on the market. Now, you know, does someone want to pay him four or five, six million dollars? I don't think that's the case. So, you know, I'm guessing that he got a pretty handsome raise in this next deal with the, with the Blues. And he figured, you know, I, I know it here. I know what they expect. I know I can do the job here in St. Louis. I got a great general manager in Doug Armstrong, a great ownership in Tom Stillman and his group. Why would you want to leave this situation? So I think the money was probably fair and maybe took a while to get to that number. Hence, uh, you know, the, the announcement coming now as opposed to, to earlier. And now he's in the fold. How about the goalies and what you expect starting tonight uh, trying to play this thing out in the final 38 games? Yeah, we'll find out here in just a little bit. They're going to have the uh, Zoom conference call with Ruby and Army at 10 o'clock. Uh, shortly after that, the, the players come out on the ice. Uh, usually the first goalie that steps out uh, is the goalie in the starter's net, and uh, we'll get the assignment tonight against New Jersey. Um, you know, if I had to guess, and, and I, this is based on nothing, if I had to guess, they they probably turn back to Bennington and say, you know, we need you. And uh, you got an opponent uh, in New Jersey tonight that's beatable. Randy mentioned the breakdown of upcoming opponents. They're going to need uh, both guys. Uh, but I got to believe that with Bennington's status on this team, uh, they need to get him rolling. Look, you get to a point where you can't make excuses for anybody anymore. So even though the Calgary game was set up for a situation where you're probably going to get walloped and, you know, Bennington might take it on the chin, again, no excuses. Uh, but now you got a fresh team, raring and ready to go. If they put Jordan Bennington in tonight and the team plays hard in front of them and they can't get the goaltending, that's going to be a telltale sign. So we'll see who the goaltender is. You know, wouldn't be surprised if it is Billy Huso. Just trying to give you my feeling. JR, as we approach to the trade deadline, Dan and I have talked a lot about this over the course of uh, this week and a half that we've been together. It seems to me, in looking at Cap Friendly, that getting a player on the roster this year without sending out salary cap is almost impossible. Am I am I wrong there? Is there something about the salary cap that would allow the Blues to make a deal where they could trade draft choices and young players and get a player that makes four and a half, five million dollars? No, you're right, and it's it's very difficult. So the old cliche, it's dollar in, dollar out. That's what the Blues are going to be faced with heading into this uh, trade deadline. Um, and you wouldn't expect, you know, I know we've been mentioning the, the flexibility with Vladimir Tarasenko, and if, if they were to move him, they'd, they'd have some cap room. I don't think that's going to be the case. No signs whatsoever, you know, point to Vladimir Tarasenko not being on this team. There's not a trade out there that you could make for Vladimir Tarasenko right now that would make you a better team, I don't think, until the offseason when you revisit that. So the way I see it is the way you see it, Randy. Uh, you're going to have to move some salary out. Now, is that in the form of Scandella or one of the forwards? Because you do have some forward depth there. Maybe there's just a forward that we're not thinking about that they would move. But there's not a ton of salary up there in the bottom six that would allow you to bring much back in return salary-wise. And I, I can't see that they'd move any of those uh, top six guys. So so we'll see. But, yeah, it's, it looks like a situation where – um, you know, they can entertain the idea of moving draft picks and prospects, but it's going to be difficult to bring a big salary guy in. You anticipate the Blues making a move, JR? Or do, you, do you think they stand put uh, with where they're yeah. at with the cap? 
Yeah, Danny, I really do. I do think that uh, going into this deadline with this team, with the way it's playing, you look at the depth up front, uh, you look at uh, the potential of the goaltending, if uh, Bennington can be the guy or whether it's Billy Huso. And I think the defense is pretty good. I just think it can be better. And and I think that if you have injuries, you know, you're really going to put yourself in a bad spot. And I've been saying this for months, if not longer, Look at the ages of these guys and these contracts and the way they're set up. You really do have to win now. So I think Doug Armstrong sees that. He's going to try to find a piece to put this team, you know, say over the top, but put it in a position to contend in the West and get a few rounds, potentially more, in the Stanley Cup. I do think it's going to take another piece on defense. JR, you're always doing great work, and we look forward to what you have to write about Baruby in The Athletic coming up after the press conference today. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. See you later. That's our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford. And, of course, we'll have that press conference for you live at 10 o'clock. And then at 11.15, you will hear BKM Ferrario with Blues Poho and General Manager Doug Armstrong. As we roll on, what are three keys for Blues success in the second half of the season? That's coming your way with Danny Mack and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. All right, your St. Louis Blues will get things started with their nominal second half of the season tonight here on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario with a 6 o'clock pregame. The action at 7 between the Blues and the Devils. Three things for the Blues to succeed during the second half of the season. And, Dan, we've touched on this, but I'm going to start with this. In these we'll next... go back and forth, huh? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, we can do that. Okay. In these next 13 games... You have 10 against teams that are among the nine worst records in the NHL. These 13 games, the start of the last 38, are games where you need to make hay. You can't go, if you're going to be a legitimate top three in the Central Division, you can't go in these 13 games 7-6. and six. This is a, a 10 and 3, 11 and 2 situation for the Blues if they're going to finish in the top three because the schedule is not going to get easier after this. This is the easiest stretch of the Blues schedule. And so many of the games on the road we talked about. So you have 38 remaining, 21 of those on the road. Blues are 16th on the road in terms of winning percentage at 525. Uh, in the National Hockey League. My number one key is figuring out your number one goaltender. Mm -hmm. Um, And it starts tonight. I I tend to agree with Jeremy um, that I think they go with Bennington tonight. Now, he's led you to a cup. He's got the money. He's got the contract. Billy Huso, by the way, has been awesome at home. I think he's got one loss in the last calendar year at home. So I could understand if the Blues said, hey, we're going with Huso tonight. I'd have no problem with it. But if you're going to win... Maybe it's Veli Huso. Maybe he's the guy that rides this thing, and, and he's the guy that goes and, and gets you deep in the playoffs and potentially wins the Stanley Cup, like Bennington did mm-hmm. a, a few years ago. But I want to find out that, not to say that Bennington is broken, but he's been able to have a reset, I'm sure, mentally during this break. And if he's the guy, let's get him back on track. So I, I'd probably start with him tonight. Don't know if they will. Uh, but figuring out my, my goaltending situation and being comfortable with that number one going forward. Then that kind of plays into my second one. 
There's an old adage in sports, and Doug Armstrong uses it all the time. Your best players have to be your best players. Yep. And I don't think anybody would disagree that Ryan O'Reilly is among the Blues' best players. But so far this season, he hasn't been one of their best players. He's got 10 goals, 19 assists for 29 points in 40 games. Now, he's been there. He's he's answered the bell, but he and he's a minus two. He hasn't been vintage Ryan O'Reilly yet. I believe for the Blues to succeed, they still need Ryan O'Reilly to be one of the guys. He doesn't have to be the guy, but he has to be one of the guys if this team is going to succeed. And I know that's pressure, but he's a captain and he's done it before. So that pressure is well earned. My second one is that Ryan O'Reilly has to step up and be one of the best players. My second one would be the trade deadline and finding you a defenseman that is, I don't care if he scores goals, I want size, I want strength, uh, and I probably want him paired up with Pareko because I want to get more out of Pareko if I can. And I think if you had somebody else there potentially with him, paired with him, um, it could you, you could get like a two-for-one. You know, you're, you're adding your size, you're, you're creating depth on the blue line, but also you're getting uh, maybe the best out of, of Colton Pareko, Pareko. So trade deadline for me, um, would be something I'd look at. And I'm going to follow up on your point here. Barbashev continued to do what he's doing. I mean, they played him in all kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. I think he's got 72 hits on the year, Randy. So he's a, a very multi-talented player. And let's see Vladimir Tarasenko continue to be Vladimir Tarasenko. Can't disappear. He's got to continue. Those two guys got to continue to be on the upswing, which they were, in my opinion, in that first half. And my third one, kind of like that, Coming into the season, Vladdy had played only 34 games in two years. He's yeah. played 40 this season. And that's not easy to get back into condition to play as many games and as many minutes as Vladimir Tarasenko has. Who would have thought that Vladimir Tarasenko would be a must for the Blues? But I believe that even with the emergence of Kairou and the acquisition of Butchnevich and what Barbashev has done, I believe Vladimir Tarasenko is a key part of the Blues' success, and they need to keep him healthy. And and happy, I think, to mm-hmm. an extent. Make sure that he's happy, not worried about next year or the offseason. He's having a very good year, a great year, really, when you look at statistically like the assist and what the, the shots on goal per 60 and, and some of the things that you can really dive into. Um, I, I, I think he's had a very good year, but I don't want him to be thinking about tomorrow. Keep him in the moment. Um, and my third, kind of an interesting one. See what you think about this. Uh, prior to yesterday around 2 o'clock, I would have said, resigning Craig Berube. Yeah. You know, I, I think sometimes when stuff dangles over players, contracts, or coaches, it becomes a distraction because you're always talking about it or being asked about it. Now you don't have to worry about that. So you know Craig Berube's the guy. And I think that's a good thing moving forward. That's a great call. And by the way, the other one that I had, the one that wound up being my fourth, is that the Blues need a fourth line that plays the way the fourth line did with Steen, Barbashev, Sunquist in 2019. Right now, that is Costin, Bozak, and Sunquist. And you've got Logan Brown, you've got Dakota Joshua that you can move up there. But the Blues need a fourth line that brings it on a consistent basis. I also am going to go back to first periods. I, I mentioned mm-hmm. this with J.K. I, I bet they come out shoot. I, I'd be shocked if the Blues are flat tonight. I, I would be in my seat early to watch what that team looks like right. in the first period because 44 games, they've only led in 13 of those first periods. 
Second periods have been much better uh, statistically for the Blues in this season. But I'd like to see better starts. And you mentioned it earlier, especially when you're on the road, mm-hmm. trying to set a tone, don't fall behind. And playing bad teams. Yeah. And and they've had great comebacks. Part of falling behind is that you have great comebacks. They've had plenty of those. But I want to see them get off to better starts. I, I think that's something that's important for this team. And there's not an awful lot to play for for a team like New Jersey. They're 16, 26, and 5. They are making the playoffs. And... Coach Vermeil had a phrase about good teams. He said, good teams keep bad teams down, keep losing teams losing. And when you've got two against the Blackhawks and uh, you're playing the Islanders and the Flyers and a couple against the Devils and a couple against Ottawa and Buffalo and uh, Montreal, keep those down teams down for the Blues. They have uh, right now the Devils have John Gillis. And Gillies and Nico Dawes, they they are between the net right now, between the pipes, I should say, for the uh, the Devils, who, by the way, prior to their win against Montreal, who is awful, that snapped a, a seven-game losing skid for them. It's a bad team. I mean, take care of business here at home, and I bet they do. That is Dan. I am Randy, and that is today's big thing here on 101 ESPN. Coming up yesterday, we talked about Keith Law's top 20 Cardinals prospects in the Athletic, and Keith Law from the Athletic will join us to talk about those players and more next on 101 ESPN. The St. Louis Blues are back. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With the voice of the Cardinals on Ballet Sports, Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN. And we had a chance yesterday to talk about Keith Law's prospect rankings. And by the way, if you're a Detroit Tigers fan, you got to be pretty excited. But Big we're time. excited here in St. Louis, too, because the Cardinals have some good young players on Keith Law's top 20 Cardinal prospects list. Uh, Keith Law, it's always good to have you on with us here in St. Louis. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, thanks. How about you? Good. Hey, before we get to the Cardinals, I, I want to talk about Green and Torkelson from Detroit. It seems like that's a franchise that's doing the rebuild in the right way. Do you agree with me on that? I would mostly agree with you on that. They've done really well. They picked high in several drafts. Torkelson was the first overall pick. Casey Mize was in the big leagues. He was the first overall pick. Riley Green was the fifth overall pick. They've generally hit when they've picked very high in the draft. Um, what they haven't done as well as some of the other clubs that have gone through rebuilds is the, the later stuff, later, the smaller stuff, picking well with later picks in the draft or doing better in trades of veterans to acquire prospects to try to rebuild the system. And so their system as a whole didn't rank as high when I did my farm system rankings earlier this week. I think some Tiger fans were mad or confused how do we have two of the top five prospects in baseball but we don't have a top 10 system and the answer is because it takes more than two guys to make a farm system Mm -hmm. and once you get but really once you get out of the top seven or eight in that tiger system it's not bad but it thins out very quickly and i always argue if you want to build a contender getting stars is the most important thing but you also need guys who can be role players or fifth starters or utility infielders because you don't want to have to go out and spend money just to fill those spots in free agency. It's very hard to build a contender when you have to do that. In addition to whatever else you have to find that your system didn't produce on the star end. 
And Keith, it seems like that is something that the Cardinals do reasonably well, bringing up an unexpected guy like Edmund, uh, having a, a guy like Sosa emerge last year. The Cardinals, heck, their whole bench last year at the beginning of the year came from within their system. Now, it didn't get off to a great start, but they wound up getting some production out of those guys. Yeah, they've really done very well with all of those other things, right? Picking later in the draft, finding some hidden value. Uh, the uh, international group continues to find talent for them. Now, they, what they haven't done is that they have not made the sort of dump trades, trade a veteran, get a bunch of prospects, but they've used some of the products of their farm system in the other direction too. Obviously, Nolan Arenado, or I don't think they gave up enough for him, but that's not the Cardinals' problem. That's the Rockies' problem. Well, there's that fifty million too, Keith, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> you yeah, know. that's okay. It's just it's not my money. Right? Exactly. It's someone I'm happy to spend someone else's money, but they've done really well in sort of picking and choosing among their many prospects too, and saying, well, okay, which guys are the ones we need to keep, and which are the ones we'll use to uh, to help rebuild the major league roster through trades. Every once in a while, they they sort of miss. On a Randy Rosarena, but I'll I'll admit I missed too. I didn't know he was going to be this type of player, but in general, I think they've done very well in making those choices. Which is one of the toughest things a front office has to do: is say, "Well, this is the prospect we're keeping; these are the three we're trading." You you you, it's the kind of thing that keeps you up at night, right? Did I pick the right one? Yeah, in a way, it's such an inexact science. And Keith Laws, our guest from the Athletic, does just a phenomenal job covering the minor leagues and for. A baseball geek like myself, I love this stuff. So um, you had Gorman at number – so looking at the overall top 100, you had Gorman at yep. 17, Walker, who I'm – I just – I think this guy's going to be a star, 30, Matthew Libertor, 36. We've heard a lot about him. And then Yvonne Herrera could be the heir apparent to Yachty here in St. Louis at 75. So if you have four in the top 100, Keith, and then some pretty good ones that are coming, where are the Cardinals right now? What's the strength of their minor leagues? What's the weakness? And how do they compare? to other organizations i would say the strength of the system is athletic position players um and you know what i mean by that is guys who many of them actually play up the middle too or play skill positions third base second base shortstop center field catcher the, the higher skill positions they're valued more when you do when we're doing statistical valuations like wins above replacement those positions are worth more it's harder to find guys who can play them and play them competently but also i i am a big believer in betting on athletes because they have greater ability generally to make adjustments in this game today especially with the way that we're seeing swing changes pitch design mechanical shifts lots of these things require greater levels of athleticism than anything we've ever seen in the sport. I mean, it was always a joke, right? You could be a baseball player and be not necessarily in the best shape, right? <laughs> baseball, if you could, you could hit or you could really throw hard. It didn't matter. And okay, on some level, yeah, that's probably still a little more true for us than say basketball or ice hockey. But at the same time, we do have, Uh, we do ask a lot of our players. We ask them to make a lot of adjustments. And so if you're athletic like Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, who is fifth on my Cardinals list, those guys are going to have the physical capacity to make bigger changes. So if the Cardinals want to go to Mason Wynn, who I think needs some swing changes, but is blessed with tremendous physical gifts, he's going to be better able to make and maintain those kinds of changes than a player who might be even a little better right now at playing baseball, 
but does not have the same kind of athletic ability. Do you, and I'm going to follow up on that. So let's just say yeah. Nolan Arenado is the third baseman of the future for the Cardinals, and I, I think we'd all like to think that, and he's in the fold for a mm-hmm. while. So Jordan Walker is 6'5", 220 pounds, big arm. He can run. Um, do, do you see him? Now, he's never played, as you know, <clears throat> above AA or at AA or even at AAA. So do you see him maybe starting at spring training and making a transition to the outfield because it, it could be a very short time in the minors, and then all of a sudden you got to get this kid up to the major leagues, but where does he play? Yes. I mean, the short answer is yes. Okay. I, I think everyone's expected since he was in high school that he was going to go to the outfield. The scout, the late scout, Charles Peterson, who drafted Walker and horribly died two months later of, of COVID-19. COVID, yeah. Yes. Uh, and I knew Charles, and he was wonderful, and he was very excited. Very nice man. Jordan. Yes. He he even admitted after the draft, he's like, I don't know if he's going to stay at third base. That's a big kid, right? And I think everyone just acknowledges, even if it were not for Arenado, the odds were always on Walker just getting so big, he was going to end up moving to the outfield. Arenado just makes it easier. At this point, it would be so easy to go to Jordan and say, nothing against you, but we have Brooks Robinson at third base. <laughs> right, right, right. Why don't we just move you to right field? And this way it clears the path for you to get to the big leagues. I will say, Walker blew me away with the approach, the plate discipline, some of the pitch recognition last year. Scouts coming back to me saying, wow, this kid is nothing like what we, you know, pro scouts generally don't see these guys in high school. Those are amateur scouts. And so the pro scouts are saying, weird, this kid was a really raw, unpolished athlete. And instead, he's got a pretty good idea what he's doing at the plate. So, so far, so good. I would really like to see what happens. You get to double A. I've had many hitters over the years say to me, double A is the first place they got to where pitchers could start locating the off-speed stuff. Let's see how Jordan responds to that. If he passes that test, then I'm with you. It's a straight shot to the majors. Put him in right field. He might be up in a year. If he struggles there, it's not panic time. It would be To me, that would be completely expected given his background and what we expected from him out of high school and some you know, relative lack of experience as a multi-sport guy. He may just need a little extra time. I don't think that's damaging. I don't think it would be bad news. It's just the main thing I'm going to be watching for when the minor league season starts. Keith Law, you mentioned Randy Rosarena, and with his success, as you might guess, Matthew Libertor is a hot topic of conversation here in St. Louis. You have him at number 36 on your overall list in your top 100. If the Cardinals are able to maximize Matthew Libertor's talents, what do you think they have? I'd say a mid-rotation starter. League average are a little better. I, I, I kind of like him a little bit more than the industry does, I think. Everyone thinks he's a starter. Uh, I, I think he's got a chance to be a little bit better because he's pretty athletic by all accounts, even back to before the Cardinals drafted him. People absolutely rave about this kid, about his intellect and his makeup. I've also seen him already make a few adjustments going back to what he, I saw him in high school. I saw him again this year at the Futures Games, my, my most recent look at him. He's already made adjustments. He's already shown a lot of growth. And when kids do that, I guess not really a kid anymore. They're all kids to me. But me when, too. They, when you see them, right? Yeah. <laughs> when Bartolo Colon didn't get a job, I was like, oh, I'm older than everybody <laughs> now. But when, when you see a player make adjustments, to me, there's, there's no better indicator that he will be able to make more adjustments. He's already made so many changes to his game, all for the better. And now he's a true four-pitch guy, and I think he's really got good feel, good, a good idea of what he's doing, consistently improving command. 
he could end up a number two starter. But if I'm trying to be realistic and set my own sort of, yeah, I recognize I'm a little higher than everyone else, and I should probably, you know, kind of regress that opinion back a little bit to reflect what everyone else says. Mid rotation guy is probably a lot more likely. You know, Keith, what's so interesting too is that I was looking the other day. He's only thrown 235 innings of pro ball, yeah. and you know, last year he makes the jump from A ball to Triple A, so that that's a significant jump. What jumped out to me though. Right-handed hitters had 17 home runs against him. And I, I don't think anybody disputes his curveball. It's exceptional. But mm-hmm. that would tell me probably a changeup needs to be refined. Is that what you're seeing with him as well? Yep, spot on. And he has one. It's there. Uh, my guess is he probably would really just need to use it more than anything because it's there. I've seen it. I don't think it's a bad pitch. Trust me, I see plenty of bad changeups. Um, going out to sea. I see a lot of A ball because of where I live. High A and low A, there's quite a bit near me. And so I see a lot of guys who throw real hard. And if you throw hard, it's not that difficult to throw a decent slider. Changeup's a totally different animal. I think Libertor has a decent changeup, but in his life, and you said, as you said he hasn't pitched a lot in pro ball, he hasn't needed to use it very much. He could often get shy sure. with the breaking ball. That breaking ball's been an out pitch for him since high school. I think it still continues to miss a lot of bats for him. I think he can even miss some right-handed bats with it. But at the end of the day, he's going to have to refine the changeup, and that's probably going to come from much heavier use. And if that doesn't happen, at some point they might need to look at other options, a cutter or a split or something. But I think the changeup is good enough already that I, my projection is it will become an effective enough pitch that he no longer has such a vulnerability to right-handed hitters. Keith, we know that you're intrigued by the Cardinals' top four because they're all in the top 100, Gorman, Walker, Libertor, Herrera. But outside of the the top 100, from the number five Cardinal to the number 20, which one holds the most intrigue for you? So I'll give you two. Uh, You know, I I identify a sleeper in every system, which is a prospect who's not in the top 100, but I think could really break out, end up on the top 100 a year from now. And their second-round pick last year, Joshua Baez, so a, an athletic high school outfielder from the Boston area. So it's not like he faced very good competition in high school. And there is some swing and miss there, but it is huge power. And he's got great bat speed. He's got a cannon of an arm. He probably also ends up moving to right field um, as he, he's a center fielder now. But I don't think he's going to last there. But one, the, the power is ridiculous. And two, the Cardinals have done so well with guys like this, right? Nolan Gorman was power over hit in high school. He's gotten so much better. Jordan Walker was supposed to be not very advanced as a hitter with all these other tools. He got into the system immediately. He's better than we thought. So I'm really interested to see what happens with Baez uh, once he starts his pro career in earnest. And the other is Zach Thompson, who's the first rounder a couple of years ago. And I got a look at him for a couple innings in fall league and was talking to some Cardinals people and said, I, I don't understand. How does this guy have a 70 ERA in AAA? I'm seeing three above average to plus pitches and his arm works you know, maybe they just moved him too fast. He wasn't ready for AAA and couldn't make the smaller adjustments. Maybe it's command and control. But that, those are three weapons that either put you in the middle of a rotation or in a high leverage spot in the bullpen very soon. And so he's going to repeat AAA. And my guess is he does a lot better the second time around. And if, and if he doesn't, he goes to the bullpen. And he's very effective there. 
Yeah, I'm with you totally on Thompson. I was watching some of the Arizona Fall League, and I'm with you, Keith. I see three-plus pitches. I see him in spring yep. training, and if he can cut down on the walks, obviously, and the Cardinals yeah. at the Major League Club had that big-time issue last year, um, you're talking about somebody that is going to stick. I, I want to go back to Nolan Gorman just for a moment. Um, what are you hearing about his defense at second base? Uh Everybody I've talked to, they say, you know what? The transition wasn't that big a deal. He was fine, yeah. and he's got a guy. Here's a guy that could play second base and pop you forty home runs, maybe. Yes, I think that's about right. Wow. It's eighty raw power. I know he has not hit for power like that in pro ball. I'm okay with that because, but I, I mean, I, first time I saw him, I think he was sixteen. Right? I know we know he has power. I'm not worried that the power is not in there. The Cardinals did a lot of work with him. And actually, the Cardinals people give him more of the credit, too. And just kind of cutting down on the swing because in high school, especially senior year of high school, he was just trying to hit everything 600 feet. And they've calmed it down so that it's just hard contact. If you're a strong kid, make hard contact, the homers will come. It's generally, that for most hitters, that's going to be the most productive approach. I am blown away by the changes he's made in terms of his plan at the plate, not just straight up pitch recognition, but working the count more to his favor, which means more walks, fewer strikeouts, but also just better results. He does choose to swing. And I've heard and seen just a little bit exactly what you said about the defense too. He's fine at second. Yeah. He was fine at third. He made himself fine at third from being pretty bad in high school. He's going to be fine at either of those spots. And that's all that they could ask from him. The bat's going to be so good as long as he can play just average defense at second, they're never going to worry about it. Keith Law, final thing, and I, I wanted to get your take on the contraction of the minor leagues because you mentioned you're around a lot of A ball and we're around a lot of independent ball here in the St. Louis area, mm -hmm. but do you think from the major league perspective, and you're a guy that spent time in the major league front offices, is it a good thing that they have contracted the minor leagues and cut down to 120 teams? No, it is a bad thing from basically every perspective except the owner's pocketbooks. And as I think I've made it clear, I don't really care about the owner's pocketbooks. Um, they have the money, and this wasn't that much of a savings for them. But it's actually hurting player development in a lot of ways. And I, everybody I talk to in the scouting and player development side says regrets that, that Major League Baseball chose to do this. And it especially hurts the younger prospects. The high school kids who are a little bit behind need some ex something extra, an intermediate level between the Gulf Coast League and full season A ball and the international kids, many of whom come from the Dominican, Venezuela, uh, other countries in Latin America and have no real formal baseball experience. And the same thing, asking them to jump from the DSL to the Gulf Coast League and then suddenly to full season A ball, often when they're 19 or even 18 years old, they need the intermediate step. It would help so many players. And my compromise idea was instead of having four full, four short season leagues that are essentially two separate levels, just condense that one short season level between the complex and low A and it's 30 clubs, divide them up however you want. But this way everyone kind of gets what they need. And if some major league clubs says we don't want to do that, fine, give them the choice. But most teams do want to do it. They want to have that sixth affiliate back. And I, I hope we will see it return at some point because I think it's better for the game of baseball as a whole. Absolutely. Keith Law is our guest, and I, um, I'm i going to actually call you off the air, Keith, so I can geek out some more on this stuff. I know we're running out of time because I love this stuff, and I love what you do. Um, so my final question is, is okay, Yvonne Herrera, you've got potentially heir apparent to Yachty. He's on the 40-man. Juan Yepes on the 40-man, as we know. 
We're in a lockout. Uh, how concerned are teams right now with those kind of players if they don't have a normal quote-unquote spring training or their season is pushed back and all of a sudden these guys they're locked out they can't play uh, is there is there a lot of talk about that right now there's more talk about the younger guys who maybe just got added to the 40 man okay. they're in a ball right, cleveland's run into this they had a whole mess of oh yeah almost all all international signees they left some guys off the 40 man if you'd said that to me two years ago Oh, they're not going to put Aaron Bracho on the 40 year in two years. So we just said, Are you crazy? Everyone's going to take that guy. Now, Aaron Bracho hasn't been very good. But the, my broader point is that they put guys on the back of their 40 man who are 20, occasionally 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And those guys just need to play. They just barely got into full season ball. So if they only play half a season this year and they all miss 2020, you're starting to talk about hundreds of at bats that these players, and it would be true for innings too. No doubt. No doubt. That these players are missing. And it just, it's going to slow everyone's development. And I, I know nobody cares on the major league side about them, but I do. It's my job. And I'm really seeing the impact already of the lost season in 2020 with more injuries and a lot of players who just you know, were, were asked to make two level jumps in the minors. And some did it, some did great, but a lot didn't. And I think it's the lost time and the lost repetitions is really catching up to them. Keith law. It is uh, in the midst of a lockout. We have two days between now and the Super Bowl, and you're talking baseball <laughs> in St. Louis. <laughs> so, and people are eating it up. We, we love it. We appreciate your great work at The Athletic, and we always love having you on. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Take Keith. Take care. Keith Law. You know, he brings up a great point. I know we got to go to your mm-hmm. Killing Me Smalls, and we're going to try to break a little early because we had the Craig Berube mm-hmm. uh, press conference at 10. He brings up a great point, injuries. And so that is something that I know a lot of people in the game are concerned about, that if, first of all, the medical teams of the franchises have not been able to put eyes on players that are rehabbing. Mm-hmm. So where are they? And when they show up to camp, you know some guys are going to really try to get it going fast. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And that's when injuries happen. So that's something to watch out for here if and when they, they come back. Dan, with all due respect to ownership, got to say that, got to preface that. Yeah. That was really stupid what they did in not allowing their players to communicate with their medical staff. It's just stupid. That's your investment. That's your product. And you're your allowing investment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're yeah. you're allowing your you're you're taking chances with huge investments. It for the Cardinals to not be able to communicate with Jack Flaherty this offseason. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? That's just stupid. And just nagging injuries. Yeah. And these guys are also given, Randy. Um, they would go, okay, Randy. Here's your workout program. I'll check in with you in seven days. We'll do a Zoom. Mm-hmm. Then we'll and we've got people wherever you live, and they'll, they'll take the measurements and do different things that we're looking to do. Could be cutting down on body fat, getting bigger, looking to get stronger, quicker, whatever. Can't do any of that. None of it. No. Can't communicate. Ridiculous. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. I'm 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101. ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Ah, uh, Randall, what have you come up with today? You're killing me, Smalls. Well, Dan, down at Radio yes, Row, Kurt Warner was making the rounds, uh-huh. and he said, quote, 
of the Super Bowl 36 loss to the Patriots. I think about that Super Bowl quite often. If there's one game I think about more than any others, winning the Super Bowl or even the third Super Bowl that I lost at the end of Pittsburgh, it's the game against the Patriots because we didn't play our best game on that big stage. You just go, man, we missed an opportunity to do something great. Now, we did have our therapy session yesterday with Aeneas Williams. He was trying mm-hmm. to help me out. Yeah, and um, he was good at it. He was great. Uh, it did help me out. I'm still upset. I can't get over it. Okay, but I, I got to move on, Randy. So I will. But my question to you, you're very close to some of these players, and they will tell you things that maybe they wouldn't normally say to others. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say that you have to tell me who they were, but when you went to players and said, do you feel cheated? Because, and I I wonder if Kurt thinks that, because he'd get under center, and these guys knew exactly what was coming on the defensive side. What do they say to you? You know what's interesting is that the defense was victimized by the sign stealing, but most of the big players from the greatest show on turf, uh, the Hall of Famers, obviously, are on offense, aside from Aeneas. But it's the offensive players that are bothered because they truly believe that the Patriots had proprietary information from the walkthrough on Mm -hmm. Saturday. That there were plays that the Rams installed on that Saturday at the Superdome that... New England could not and should not have known about unless they had access to that practice. So they hadn't maybe run some of these formations, plays, that kind of thing, and you could look at every snap that they had taken the last three years, which probably they did, and they had not seen that, and all of a sudden they implement that into the game, uh, uh, you know, what they were going to do on Sunday, and all of a sudden they know it's coming. Yeah, so it was not good. Kurt was also asked about the current Rams offense. He said, I love this Rams team. They have a lot of star power, but I continue to argue that our offense was the greatest offense the league has ever seen. If we're playing with these rules, man, it might not even be fair. I agree. I I mean, because you think about in that Super Bowl, how they were, well, right at the line of scrimmage, going at Torrey, going at Isaac, what they did to Marshall Falk and how physical they were. That's a credit to them. They did, you know, the Patriots. But you're right. If you've got that kind of separation with the kind of weapons the the Rams had at that time, holy smokes. Guys would be running just patterns wide open. It would have been ridiculous. Do you remember when they banned using the greatest show on turf during Madden tournaments? Yes. (laughs) That's how good they were. Well, I mean, it was like watching, you know, Marshall Falk, for those that played the old Tecmo Bowl, it was like having Bo Jackson. Can you imagine? You know, Aeneas was talking about the technique that defensive backs yeah, employ today. Interesting. Yeah. Can you imagine no. the defensive technique against, let alone the four receivers, but against Marshall? No. How, how would anybody defend Marshall Falk in today's game? You can't. No. It, it's unbelievable. You're killing me, Small. All right, Matt brought this up, Dan, and I want to get your take. James Harden of the Nets, who forced his way out of Houston by getting really fat, wants to trade to he Philadelphia. Was big. He was yeah. kind of big. Yeah, it yeah. looked like he was wearing a fat suit because then he got into like immediate shape when he got to the Nets. Yeah. He wants to trade to the Sixers, but he's resisted making that formal request because of fear of public backlash. If I'm the Nets, and he, he's probably going to leave as a free agent at the end of the season anyway, and I I, if I can get something for him, I, I, Let me I would ask you this, though. Do it. If. And restrictions are starting to loosen in various jurisdictions across our country. Mm-hmm. Right now, Kyrie cannot play at home. He is unvaccinated, yeah. so he can go on the road to certain places and play. But if you add Kyrie and then you add James Harden 
and you've got KD. So all three ready to go for the stretch run. That's a championship team. That is. I'm not so sure I want to trade him, understanding I have all three and available for home games. This is already a great example of the cover-up being worse than the crime. You didn't want the public backlash for asking for a trade, but now everyone in the world is making fun of you for being such a baby that you couldn't ask for a trade because you didn't want the public to come after you. So well, it's like it's, he's going to get made fun of worse now than he would have if he just would have asked for a trade, which we all knew you did right. anyway. And Daryl Morey made him when they were both in Houston. Daryl Morey and the athletics movement that was started in Houston is why James Harden is a 10-time All-Star. And I do think, even though Ben Simmons can't shoot, if you have Simmons with Kyrie, and, and Simmons hasn't played all year, but if you have Simmons with a healthy Kyrie and a healthy KD, I think you've got a championship chance there, too. They really but is don't... Simmons going to stay in Philly, though? Well, they may trade him. That Simmons for Harden is what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were saying that Harden goes to Philly and he's playing with Simmons. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying Harden for, for Simmons straight yeah. up. Okay. Um, I still think if you keep the big three together, you got a chance to come out of the East. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd take that chance. I don't think it's I'd – in trading small. him, I don't think I'd do it. And by the way, it would be really bad for New York metro area strip clubs if James Harden would leave. You're killing me, Smalls. Great call, Randy. Thank you very much. Well done. You're thinking about the local economy. And finally, Dan, and you and I both thought thought the same thing, a sad story out of uh, Southern California. Jeremy Giambi, the brother of Jason Giambi, passing away yesterday at the age of 47. And uh, according to a statement from his agent, Joel Wolf, who represents Nolan Arenado, uh, the, the body of uh, Jeremy Giambi was found in his parents' home in SoCal. And there was a report on TMZ that he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. TMZ is usually pretty accurate. Yep. And the first thing that you and I thought was maybe steroids are involved. Yeah, I, I have thought this a lot, Randy, and I, by no means are we doctors, but guys that were involved in steroids and heavily used them whether it be football or baseball at the time of the steroid era what does life look like 25 30 years down the road you know now you're getting older um what kind of damage did it do to the body to the heart to the mind i mean there's a lot of guys that go through mental issues with that stuff mm-hmm. too yep. I, I have wondered that a lot of what we're going to see in the next five or ten years yep and and who knows maybe that was something here we don't know it's speculation but bottom line it's uh, awful news for the Very baseball sad. and uh, sports community that's dan i'm randy and that's you're killing me smalls on 101 espn we'll head down the stretch and get you ready for the craig Berube doug armstrong press conference next on 101 espn we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You got the balloon party coming up in just a few minutes. And uh, that balloon party is going to include the press conference where the Blues are going to officially announce the extension for Craig Berube as their head coach. And Berube's, Danny, will have the chance to be the Blues' all-time leader in Mm. terms of tenure for a head coach. Let's see. uh, uh, How long was Joel? Oh, yeah. Joel was a long time. He was 97 through 04. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit. Part of a season. So uh, 97, 98, 99, I think two, three, four. So Even with yeah. this contract, Joel, Joel he was eight. Yeah, he would yeah. be. And then Hitch was through 17, I believe. So Hitch was basically beginning at 12, 13. So 13, 14, 15, 16. So he was five years. Five and a half. Yeah. yeah. 
So, yeah, it, it'll it'll be a while for Baruby to surpass uh, Joel Quenville as the longest tenures, tenured Blues head coach. But win another cup and you're golden here for Heck, win another cup and you got a statue in front of Enterprise Center. He might. Well, you're beloved already when you win a cup. I don't care mm-hmm. who you are on that team. You're beloved. Yeah. You, you win that first cup. That's why I always, I, when Petro was looking at, at, you know, whether he'd re-sign or not, um, the, one of the images I always have, it's that famous picture when he's the guy grabbing the cup yep. and the fireworks are going behind him and they shoot the shot a little bit lower so it's kind of going up and him holding the cup, the fireworks behind him. And I thought, well, that's the statue of him if he finishes his career in St. Louis. Right. And, you know, for some guys, and this is a separate note as we lead to this press conference, you know, for some guys it's meaningful, some guys it's not. But I think when you're in the moment, you don't think about it. When you're out of the moment, you've done, you've got your money, you're with your family, you're done playing, you go, man, man, that legacy thing would have been pretty That's cool. That's the thing, and it's a lot of money, but would you rather have the legacy and $90 million or no legacy and $100 million? That's what it comes down to. Well, I had a Hall of Famer tell me, Randall, and – uh he said, you know, when it came down to me negotiating my contracts, and he said, I, I tell young players this too, that have now in this era to make that kind of money. He said, if if, if you blow $100 million and you have now another $100 million contract on the table, if you can't figure out, and let's say the difference is 5 or 10, he says, then it doesn't matter anyway. You're going to blow it. Yeah, so you are. Exactly. Great. Take, yep. Take the happiness. Absolutely. Great job by our producer engineer, Matt Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Randy. Uh, Daniel, we'll do this again tomorrow morning. All right, my man. I'll see you tomorrow. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show, the Balloon Party, and the Craig Brewery Press Conference next on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.